people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Thank you. This is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting on Wednesday, March 19th, two days after St. Patrick's Day. So this is the uh, still the kind of the hangover, part three. Uh, no, we didn't do anything. The nerds, we just read comic books and ate burgers. And, uh, of course, I got my fabulous, fabulous announcer, our man in Los Angeles. I'm Nick Costa. And across from me. Uh, who is actually hosting the podcast tonight because we are podcasting from the fabulous undisclosed location of the Brett Cave. I'm Rick Brett Snyder, confirming that this is 347. Just did it. Okay, good. All right, he's made an operation. So <laughs> after all that, I wanted to make sure we were the right number. We were just having, before recording, uh, a controversy over the numbering of the show and determining why why we wanted to mention what issue number, because uh, we are approaching 350, which I guess is some sort of milestone to people. I just say, we just keep going, and we just keep adding numbers. And uh, Someday we'll have a system where we don't have to edit that number by hand every week. Oh, that'd be nice. Anyway, uh, so uh, we're going to look to doing another, uh, making sure that it's a public uh, performance of the podcast and at a time and place, most likely Seven Stars Bar and Grill. We want to share it live with you. Yes, where people can come and enjoy an afternoon with Linguisa Corn Dogs and uh, the hospitality of the fabulous Paul Cunha. And, and the generosity of our fans who buy us drinks. It's happened a couple times. So, uh, Brian K. Shimada, we're talking to you. Uh, I, I just feel the pressure is up on him. Um, you know, so, uh, we've got some comics news. We got some movie news. We've still got like a Cinequest wrap up. We've got interviews for next couple of weeks. We're going to have a couple of weeks. Yeah. Which I love. I love. Yeah. And, uh, some pretty exciting stuff tonight. And, uh, just, you know, we'll, we'll be right. I do have a closing ceremony in mind for Cinequest that I haven't shared with you. Okay. But we, 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 we'll be riding a roller coaster of fanboy emotion tonight. But first let's begin with some letters, which I'm going to have to paraphrase. Uh, so if you want to give us the theme song, Nate. Excellent. Uh, we do. Actually, first, Bill Bossert, who we haven't heard from in a while. Uh, and then he's, he's, this this letter came actually a couple, after a couple of podcasts ago, but we've been, because of Cinequest, we were with Harry Knowles, and then we were in the Fairmont being you know pushed around by security guards. And uh, they didn't was, actually touch us. It was kind of good. It was almost like it was almost like that fox cease and desist. Like yeah. you know, like we're sitting there going, "Yeah, we're dangerous." Yeah, yeah. No, I, that's not a camera. That's a <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Let me show you what a lens looks like versus a microphone. <laughs> it actually looks more like a taser. And well, great. And like that's going to be more reassuring. Thanks. Anyway, Bill Bosser was writing in response to the uh, we talked about the Netflix and Defenders. Uh, deal. I, w- when I talked about that on the podcast, I didn't really realize the impact of this is the biggest 
uh, New York-based filming that has gone on for quite some time. But um, one figure that Bill threw out at me was this is a $200 million investment in filming in New York City. And wow. staying in New York City, not going up to Toronto to pretend it's New York City. Daredevil's Hell's Kitchen. What, my American cities are not going to look like my Canadian cities? No. Your American cities are going to look like your American cities, and Hell's Kitchen is going to look like Hell's Kitchen, which means it's going to be very nice and polite and seem that. very Canadian because I've been to Hell's Kitchen, and there's nothing about it that no. seems like hell. We, talk, we we do go shoot all these cop shows in Canada where they don't have guns, right? Right, right. So we're on the Americans well, on the street with guns in and Canada. And that's how, that's how you know who the Americans yeah, are. Yeah, I know. Plus, they don't say A. Uh, but anyway, so he had, you know, once again, he was really expressing his enthusiasm over the Netflix uh, Ultimate Defenders deal. And I, I agree. I just really hadn't realized the impact for filming. I just, to me, I mean, this is dumb of me because NYPD Blue, I think, filmed on the streets of New York. Um, I think they did some exteriors like like for like two weeks. They'd go out and they'd do all these exterior shots and then do the rest and they over. green screen everyone in over it uh, well no no no. They, they do scenes right you know out there and then but most of the interiors were still shot in la um so but uh law and order i think was also because you know that was full of broad broadway actors new york actors so still oh, those seinfeld. Are, seinfeld was in la was shot in la 30 rock new york 30 rock was seinfeld was in la the set for seinfeld was in la oh, yeah okay yeah, it was set in New York, but it was right. but it was but Thirty Rock filmed in L.A. I sorry, Thirty Rock filmed in New York, but um, this is still a pretty big as far as you know action movie go goes, and uh, I just get more and more excited. But we'll get back to our excitement because you know I realize in that assembling a universe special, which we'll come back to later in the podcast. They didn't say a thing about that Netflix deal, which is also like, oh. how's that going to fit in? It's oh just, it's a great time to be a fanboy alive. If you're a Marvel fanboy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you're a DC fanboy, you're going, hey, everything is awesome. We got great cartoons. Everything is awesome when you're part of a team. <laughs> like the Justice League is never going to happen. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that was Bill. Uh, but speaking on the DC time. That wasn't an imitation. Just no, 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 no. That was my parody. We can take that, and that'll be available on iTunes for 99 cents. Uh, me singing Everything is Awesome when you're part of DC. DC. Um, you know, so um, just sadly rocking back and forth with a... Clutching your knees. Wearing a Batman t-shirt. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and then uh, Chayton Whiskey, a, a new list. No, that's his real name. I actually know him because I, I play with him at Comedy Sports, so he wrote in. And uh, discovered, uh, started, uh, I don't know if he's listening to the podcast. Is he a K-E-Y or K-Y guy? What? Whiskey. K-E-Y. Okay. Don't ever, ever ask if someone is a K-Y guy again. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. Never. Never. These are just some things I have to tell you. Rick, no. Nope. Okay. Anyway, is whiskey as in the whiskey drink. Whiskey has a, con- a controversial as in spelling. The drink. No. No. Even so, there was a way to phrase that that was not the way you phrased that. Anyway, Chayton, I'm sorry. Innocence. He is a very innocent young man. He's about 21. Uh, uh, no, he's actually not even old enough to drink whiskey. And he's about six foot seven. And uh, and he's a heavy metal fan. And he is also a huge uh, comics fan. And so the question he had sounds huge was, yes, that apparently in the new game that's returning back to Rocksteady for Arkham, mm-hmm. the Arkham Knight 
is a villain being created for the video games? And I thought, well, that's a good. He his question was, how do we feel about creating a game a villain in game that has not appeared in the comics, doing something original? I gave my response to him via email, but I thought it's a great. I'm pretty topic. sure it's not the first time it's happened. No, it's not. Uh, which was my response is um, Jim Lee designed for a Batman the Animated Series game, uh-huh. the rise of Sinzu was an Asian warlord. Okay. Um, and I have that game. I think it's not very playable. Most people were very disappointed by it. But my argument back is is people forget, because she's been so integrated into the DC Comics universe, that Harley Quinn was a, a villain on the animated series sure. first. Right. Uh, as Renee Montoya was also a character who first appeared on the animated series, and then they put her in the comics. And even this goes back to 1941. Jimmy Olsen was a creation of the radio series for Superman, mm-hmm. not so, someone not that Siegel and Schuster had put in there. As was Kryptonite, was an excuse to, if you call Kryptonite a villain, but it was an excuse to give the actor playing playing uh, Superman, Bud Collier, uh, a vacation from the radio show. He'd get exposed to Kryptonite, and then they'd have someone just going. Oh from time to time like is superman okay <laughs> meanwhile he meanwhile, meanwhile back with superman in the canyon where superman is lies trapped uh, surrounded by kryptonite uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> seriously i'm not kidding that's why they created wow. kryptonite uh so i you know if the villain's cool I, yeah well, i'm fine cares? and and the arkham series is it's a continuity unto itself my other argument is that all the villains that appear there are a version are versions of the villains, even if they did appear in the and comics, they're, they're not like that. Damn, I've always hated the scarecrow. But the scarecrow in the I'm terrified Ar- of the scarecrow. It's an awesome character. It's a it's a great character concept. And the idea that these guys that somehow the games are lesser creative entities is just wrong. They, those well, guys I, spend I don't a think lot pe- of time. I don't think people are arguing that yeah. because because for a, a large percentage of the population That's their experience. That's they're you know, the gamers and this is the problem that um, DC has. I don't think that playing Arkham Asylum has necessarily, or the Arkham series, has necessarily gotten anybody into the comics. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it necessarily has to. The reality is Batman has become transmedia, and that's the way it is. It's a transmedia IP. Listen as I throw around all these modern Hollywood terms. Can you tell me about Brick again? That's Brazil. Russia, India, and China. Wow. Four countries that are both absorbing all our pop culture and on the brink of, of economic collapse and are going to invade us within the next decade. I'm sorry. Did I get a little too deep? <laughs> too deep. <laughs> Except for the Brazilians because they're going to party too That's, hard to notice. I can't see Brazil. Does Brazil have an army? <laughs> no. No. I'm sure they do because, yeah. They have like the KISS army. <laughs> With real kisses. With real kisses. This is fabulous. Oh, my God. Karaoke. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I just saw a trailer for Rio 2. It was like, I remembered Brick. The Mount Marmosets one? Are there Marmosets in that? I guess so. I it's, think so. It's one about my people, the macaws. Um, and, but anytime I see Rio, I think, oh, yeah, Brick. So, anyway. Oh, no, it's not Rio. It's. Uh, uh, You're thinking Madagascar. Madagascar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. There's Rio's, a new Madagascar movie with just the Marmosets. Rio. Or the. Uh, Lemurs. 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 Very different from Marmosets. Yeah, I can, I, you know, see them at night, they're the same. Where are you seeing them, Rick? 
outside. Nate, can I completely just transfer <laughs> to Los Angeles and we'll just, you and I will sit Sarah's there. Sarah's going to work out of the branch office in Los Angeles now. I'm totally ready for that. How many bedrooms do you have? Uh, <laughs> so, damn it. Okay. Um, I've got a Hulk t-shirt. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's not, it's not. We got a lemur. <laughs> no, we don't. Anyway, so shall we move on to regular we features? Should. Comics. I want to stop and acknowledge I don't know the cause of death, but a somewhat obscure but very important creator passed away uh, today and fairly young uh, or was announced this morning. Uh, Steve Moore, who was uh, influential in 2000 AD, was not the creator of Judge Dredd, but was kind of a mentor figure to Alan Moore. Hmm. So, a figure, so a man who was like, he's about 55, I think they said, uh, 1957 or 58 was his uh, birth year, passed away. It seemed like this was rather sudden and unexpected, so I don't know the details. I was looking around the web and not really seeing that yet. Perhaps the family is not released. But I want to acknowledge, because um, he's one of the few people that Alan Moore um, did not kind of like turn his back on in comics. And in fact, when V for Vendetta was made into a film, he did... Alan Moore recommended that Steve Moore get the right to to write the novelization of the film mm. so that his one of his friends, you know, he knew that that was going to be a cash cow to have a regular novel. Right. I know a lot of people that bought the regular novel thinking that's what people were talking about because it was written by Moore, uh-huh. um, Steve Moore. But his his main contribution to my uh, twisted upbringing was the 2080 character or feature called Laser Eraser and Axel Press Button. And Oh, God. I remember that. Which was a fantastic uh, series, very funny, ultra-violent series yes. about a female assassin and her cyborg companion who had a, a big button, button on his chest. button on his chest that pressed me that was uh, a direct line to his pleasure, pleasure centers. centers. So that all, though they never got there, the whole reason they created it was because Steve Moore came up with the death scene first in which he was shot. Which caused him to die of uh, extended pleasure. Extended pleasure, yes, with a huge. If smile you have on pleasure for more than four hours, uh, you know, please see a doctor, or you've been shot through your pleasure button. And so, uh, I loved the series. Uh, I like the idea that he couldn't push his own button. Yes, and Brian Boland had did the covers for it, and I think Eclipse Comics reprinted it yeah. in the eighties, and really loved it. I'm pretty sure I read the Eclipse stuff, and uh, and they created. Uh, Oh, I think it was Zeus, the silver sweater of the space. That's the waste. one I've been trying to remember who it is. The little thing that has yes, no, on the hover plant, hover and, uh, the, on the hover plane. Who you know? His what he likes? Oversexed little blob of elephant uh, uh, yeah, who had a head. Yes, that just just what he likes thrashes. Um, that's it was like horrible. Oh I my god! I've been trying to remember his name for a long and time, and I and I love that subtitle. I went silver into the 2000 AD. The- <laughs> there was a guy. There was at Comic Con. There was a booth for 2000 AD or the reprints or something. I was trying to describe it to them, and they couldn't find. They couldn't figure it out. It, it, he's mostly a recurring villain in Laser Eraser. Yeah, but, but he did have a couple, a couple of, of short little short stories. Yeah, yeah. You know where he basically. People were sent to kill him, and he um, seduced them. And all all the seduction takes place off camera, or Which like in a so long funny. shot of the spaceship with with bu- uh, word bubbles coming out of it. You know, 
again, back to our contest a couple weeks ago, this may be what's wrong with me, <laughs> is Steve Moore, and I didn't really realize how uh, formative Steve Moore was until this moment. It was funny as hell. Oh, God, it was. It was. So just great stuff and a passing, and hope that maybe somebody in tribute picks up, uh, reprints the laser eraser and, and press button things, because they're very funny stories. Um, so let's talk. Something we knew was coming. Uh, is that uh, it looks to me like the Batman and, which will not be called Brave and the Bold, if it kills DC. Yeah. Though that's what the former, the title formerly known as Batman and Robin has become, is heading towards the return of Damian Wayne. This week, uh, Rick bought it and it's Batman and Aquaman. It's, it has been for several issues Batman and Two-Face. It's going to be Batman and Ra's al Ghul. And Damian is coming back. Next issue is going to be Batman and Wonder Woman. Okay. Pretty sure. Are they going to fight over Superman? No, the, I won't tell, spoil the story for you. No, Yeah, I'm way behind. Um, I, I, I still buy it, but i got to find where I've put all the issues. I think it's the most badass uh, Arthur. Patrick Gleason and Mick Gray as a character are just fantastic, fantastic art team. Yeah. And that is one powerful Aquaman. But don't distract from, we're talking about the return of Damian, Gray, uh, Damian Wayne, Wayne, which is a character long overdue. But needed to be back in time for the Batman and Son cartoon animated film that was coming to DVD soon. So uh, that's on its way. We are not um, <clears throat> we're not surprised, and uh, we're just happy actually. Of joy day. Yes. Uh, okay. I will. Pa- I, I will. I'm. You know. It, I think what may, you know, as I've said before, what r- really got me about the. Um, about the death of, of Damien was just a, it was more of a tear of anger that you had this character that was such a perfect, perfect way in for kids. Yeah. And still, it bothers me. Well, maybe me. not perfect, because he's like a murdering assassin. Shh. Kid. Most stories ignored that. <laughs> and Little Gotham? Yeah. Um, he's, he's still Robin in Little Gotham, and my son loves that book. So the indicia for this book now reads, Batman and Aquaman, for this episode, issue, and then parent- you don't even know. Then parenthetically, Batman and Robin number twenty nine. Okay, so so I guess they're going to keep changing it. Well, yeah, this is, they're not calling it Brave and the Bold until they get Robin back, and then they're going to call it Batman and Robin because that's what the book should be. Yep. And I believe it's subtitled "The Adventure Is the Hunt for Robin." That's so, the, the banner for the uh, well, the, the up, upcoming well, the storyline. Yeah. Yes. The arc. Now, Nate pointed out to me, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the, on the podcast, but, Nate, I did finally uh, fix my iPod problem, my, uh, my iPhone problem, and re-download the um, Hollywood Babylon in which Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman talked about it. The oh, great yes. Batman 66 Green Hornet crossover sequel that is coming to comics, written by Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman, but really Ralph Garman with Kevin Smith. Um, putting his name on it so that Ralph Garman gets to write a, a comic book, um, which I get excited by. I Nate and I were talking at uh, at this nameless burger joint in Valencia because <laughs> uh, I don't want to hurt I'm gonna cry. Rick's feelings anymore um, than I already have tonight. And uh, LA has great food. And Nate was asking me, uh, you know, how I thought. And I think Ralph Garman will take it seriously. Like it's very clear this has been like. This is like a dream project. You can't believe he's getting a chance to do. They'll be doing, uh, they, though DC and Warner Brothers do not have the right to Roger C. Carmel's likeness, who was Colonel Gum mm. in the original story, or the original TV episodes, uh, they have scarred him somehow and brought him back, promoted as General Gum. 
And so I, you know, I think that's that's fine and dandy. And actually, man, listening to that podcast, uh, Hollywood Babylon, Nate, I I understand a lot more about the legal issues than I did. Uh, assuming Garmin's right, which I assume he is, because I know he's good friends with Adam West. So that's interesting. But another See, does it strike you as odd that Roger C. Carmel's visage is that difficult to license? Well, it, it just it wasn't worth it to DC uh, to Warner Brothers to worry about it for like there wouldn't be ancillary products like nobody was screaming for a Colonel Colonel Gum action figure. Yeah, but that's just them being cheap though. You know? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's funny. You say it like like studios that are raking in billions of dollars aren't cheap at heart. You yeah. know, if they don't have to pay the money, they'll find the way not to pay the money. Yeah. Cause you know that none of these Batman products have no, yet turned a profit, never, never turned a profit. No. Yes. Um, so yeah, the government should explore that, <laughs> yeah. but they won't cause they're just as corrupt. And, uh, Oh, oh is that a drone strike coming in? Anyway, uh, but, but what came out of this was an interesting rumor is okay. So Green Hornet is currently being licensed by Dynamite, right? right? And they spun apparently, and I haven't read their series, but they spun their their current take on Green Hornet out of the unused screenplay that Kevin Smith had written for Green Hornet years ago. Are we going right into Dynamite now, too? Or yes, and okay. here's why. Okay, so Dyna, so this is a crossover. This isn't just Batman sixty six, right? I mean, this is DC has Batman sixty six. And Dynamite has Green Hornet. So it is an official crossover between DC and Dynamite, which hasn't happened up till now. But now the rumor is DC may be looking into buying Dynamite outright and maintaining it as an imprint that, or at least I'm hoping this would be the goal, that does these pulp properties. So do you like the Philip Jose Farmer uh, webpage on uh, Facebook? I don't think I have like because this came up on there was a slightly heated discussion be, uh, about about this about the dynamite possible acquisition. It all got started because I said I really like what dynamite's been doing lately, and I, the next guy up said, "Ah, oh, I just canceled all my books. They're crap, you know." But um, what came out of it was, what do they have that they don't license themselves? I mean, they they have a couple of they've got Vampirella. But I even think I, that might be licensed. No, they bought Vampirella outright. They bought Vampirella, okay. Uh, and all of their Edgar Rice Burroughs books are... Well, it's in the public domain. ...are technically legal, right. so they created those. But that, anybody can do an Edgar Rice Burroughs... Yes and no. As long as you don't use the titles that aren't... Right, yeah. right, right. You can't cut... Right, so it's Lord of the Jungle and, and uh, uh, Warlord of Mars. And mostly De- Dejah Thoris. <laughs> Yeah, Princess of Mars. of Mars. Yes, Princess of Mars. Yeah, um, Naked Woman on Mars would be a fantastic title, but that's not the one they used. Um, and then they create. They had a bunch of public domain. They, the 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 characters that appeared in that masks miniseries that added Zor- you know that had Zorro alone uh, right. Zorro, Green Hornet, Shadow, and then they had Miss Fury, Spider. Uh, the sp- uh, uh, there were a couple of characters in there. Fury. Though. Yeah. There were a few characters in there that were. Kind of like the public domain, like what Eric Larson had been doing with Image of right. the characters that are kind of orphans. Yeah, that nobody. But the question was, so how? What's this really worth? What What are they? What are they getting from getting diamond? Or from getting dynamite? My suspicion would be a business model. Uh, 
that the average person would not realize that they're buying a DC book if they're picking up a dynamite, if this is true, uh-huh. if this accusation, ac- accusation, <laughs> if this ac- accusation of acquisition is actually true, um, that, the, it, that it's another imprint like Vertigo that has a separate thing. Okay. And that already carries with it. This is a reality. DC and Marvel have both kind of bobbled those kinds of licensed properties. Oh, yeah. And First so, wave. And so what happens is you get the company that does like so you get all the goodwill of, of the company that that does it that has as long done as you it keep right the talent that is doing th- that that is getting the goodwill right and you're gonna just exhaust that goodwill over time right and now I hear I I have heard that there are people in the in in the comics industry that don't like the business practices of Nick Barucci who is mm-hmm. the owner of Dynamite and it is a little iffy when you. Well, he has Red Sonia too. I think he actually technically owns that incarnation of Red Sonia because in, because in the in Robert E. Howard's stories, she's a Cossack, Red Sonia with a Y, and then it was Roy Thomas who changed her into Red Sonia with a J mm-hmm. to uh, work with uh, Conan. So somehow that spun off into its own little thing. He owns that. And he owns some sort of organization uh, that has the rights to. Uh, I want to say that maybe it is the John Carter that he somehow found a way to change it enough to copyright himself, or he may own Conan, which, which is weird because Dark Horse is the one publishing Conan. Right. So it's very it's very complex. It's a story worth watching. Yeah. see what happens i i agree it's a good question what do they get because i was thinking about that too i was like well if they're just licensed but i get that's all i can come up with is yeah. they somehow seem to be able I just to don't attract want them disturbing time. what's been the best doc savage for oh i quite agree a while. i agree and i like the shadow and shadow now as it, well yeah no i i my big my big concern is yeah this doc savage seems to be really good i don't want to see anybody right. else messing with it and I'd like to see since they've got both of them. I'd like to see them do a Shadow Doc Savage crossover. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Did that? I don't. Did that that did happen at DC. Oh yeah, it happened and, at DC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and once, it was like a mini four issue miniseries. Once in college, I had an idea to do that too, called No Light to Die By. Mm. Uh, the Rob Pack John John Sunlight. But again, like many of my ideas, no one actually listened because i didn't know anybody to tell it to so you know sort of had a, have a few sketches and ah, it's out there out in the domain out in the ether anybody want it no okay what so keep keep good thoughts for dynamite yeah all right um and it just was noted it's been brought up that uh you know with the impending dc west coast move in which nate and i will immediately become work employees of dc uh right that's our theory right um <laughs> Is that uh, the, just a note that the the upcoming Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. Superman book will be returning things back to the status quo that Dan DiDio has been trying to shake up, and apparently there's been a lot of rumor of internal strife between Johns and DiDio. It'll be interesting what to see what happens. Did you get caught up on Justice League up to the no? I am not. I no, I'm not. Okay, I won't spoil anything for you, but. I am caught up. Back to are you so Nate? Do you agree with me? One of the best metal men in years. I'm not as familiar with metal. I knew that he was going to say that. I I, yeah. (laughs) But did you like the characters? 
Yeah. And it's a good story. I mean, well, then I'm hopeful for that. In the midst of forever evil, forever metal, Cyborg goes looking for replacements for the Justice League. And, and he, he goes to, to Professor Magnus. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Okay. Um, and over at Marvel, let's uh, mention that uh, it has been officially announced that Wolverine is going to die in 2014. I don't know if it'll stick, but uh, but it is. That's the big thing. It's like three months to die is their, their little X-Men thing. Well, he's killable right now. Right. And so he is going to get killed. Yeah. They have confirmed that it is, you know, it's, it's counting down. And uh, well, that's, does that mean he's only going to be in like three books now? Yeah, um, <laughs> they're going to cut him in because there's two of him. Hasn't anybody remembered that from it's Age the Wolverine of Ultron? Squad? What do you mean? There are two? two. There are two. He went back in time twice. He's got five books of these solos. In but what I'm saying is, he went back in time twice. twice. So there are two of him running around, and that's the explanation. One of them's the uh, the cyborg, uh, the robot from the original Wolverine series. Oh no! That, okay, that's a third. So there's three running around. And then there's Hugh Jackman. If he appears tall, <laughs> it's Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman going, you know, what? If he's taller than anyone else in the frame. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that's what's going on in X-Men while the rest of the rest of the Marvel Universe is dealing with original sin. Uh, there's a song I, going on in my head right now that no. nobody else knows. Okay. It's, it's well, Jim like Steinman. That. Oh, okay. Pandora's Box, Jim Steinman. No, so, I know that one. Well, I have that album. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. And uh, the, the death of the watcher, which has the coolest and grossest, um, you know, tie-in toy uh, giveaway. You uh, can, if you buy the first issue of Original Sin, you get a glow-in-the-dark eyeball because apparently the watcher gets his eyeball stolen uh, from his corpse. So, uh, and then cloned and distributed to comic shops all across America. Uh, (laughs) Big kids in sandlots playing playing with eyeballs. eyeballs. Oh, please, it's happened. You knocked my eyeball out of the circle. It's happened. I mean, come on, it's not the first time. But anyway, that is coming up and big stuff there. Now we can play What's in the Bag. And it's shorter this week. What's in the bag? Yes. There's only two bags because I have not had a chance to get to the comic shop in two weeks. So, Nate, I, you're going ahead. I'm go having first. withdrawals. It's really weird. Well, you'll get you'll you'll get your fix later tonight. <laughs> Maybe. All right, Nate. Tell me what's up, man. Item number one in my bag is the Superior Spider Manual number two. And uh, to be clear, it's the annual. annual. Oh, I thought it was. Uh, I know. <laughs> I was, I was, the uh, second Superior Spider-Man annual. Some horrible parody. This is super, Spider-Man this is, annual. Have you read it super yet? Super Spider-Man. Well, I have not read it yet, but I did see. There's uh, a story so in the back by, of it. Uh, Christos Gage. Okay. And he tweeted that it does take place between Superior Spider-Man issue, whatever just came out, and the next issue. So it's part of ah. the Goblin Nation story. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's exciting. So my first one is uh, Winter Soldier number two, which I I like the first Winter Soldier, and this one, I mean, this almost this is almost harkening back to the old Steranko covers where he's where there's like great uh, graphics. Uh, it's definitely a cover. You have to know what you're buying. Yeah. And I like that because the reality is, if you're walking to a comic shop, you know what you're buying. Yeah. I think this is. I think the. The goal here is to have this uh, have this in place as a finished miniseries by the time. Oh yeah, no, I, I don't think ser- th- I don't think there's. Uh, I think so at all. Shelf. I think that's very clearly the goal. Yeah. So, 
No question there. Nate, number two. Item number two is Daredevil number one. Daredevil in San Francisco. Open your golden gate. Yes, he's swinging through the skyscrapers and. Again, did not have time to read. It, swinging his billy club, board. catching that cable car, <laughs> sensing it coming. Ding ding! Can't get any reception. Although, oh, although his uh, his uh, senses do not work in BART stations. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so. But then again, what does? <laughs> Nothing. Okay, so there was a, there was a uh, Amtrak outage this morning. Yeah, I saw that posting. Yeah. Trouble for Shang Chi. Yeah, he couldn't get up to the city until he got there. So my second one is uh, God is Dead Nine, which uh, this is this was. It still says Jonathan Hickman's God right. is Dead, but he's not writing it anymore. No, he's just running a studio of people that think <laughs> like him. Exactly, and I have not read this issue. I actually I'm like a couple issues behind, but I still take umbrage of the title. But go ahead. Our ne- our friend Neil uh, from Hijinks Comics uh, is reading it, and he said that he was a little afraid when Hickman stopped writing it and somebody else. But he actually thinks it's improved since since Nick- oh. Hickman's left, wow. which is uh, not something people usually say. So looking forward to, to catching up on God is Dead. Okay. All right. What's next in your bag, Nate? Marvel Knights Hulk, number four of four. Yep. Written by friend of the program, Joe Keating. Got that uh, one, too. Joe. All right. Four, oh, four, oh, four of four, not four yep. of four. Yes. I thought it was some kind of Marvel then. <laughs> so I'm going to check. I just I have the sent book to no, you. No, no, don't do it. What if you're right? Uh, if I'm right? It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Nope. Nope. Okay. They, they, my out change, my out change, my article, my article stopped them from doing that. In the, I'm in sure that's and, why. I'm four. sure that's why. Yeah. Cause you know, they're, they're really they're last minute this. about that. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I do think there was a time like if that had happened in 2001 or 2002 when there were only about seven websites. Yeah. Um, and family planet was one of them. They were paying attention because that's when I would get, be getting, Emails from Mark Wade and emails from J. Michael Straczynski. You win a no prize for flicking that. No, that just out. just being annoyed with me. Yeah. Kurt Buschek was annoyed with me once, and um, you know that and Bendis. That's how you know they had time. Yeah. But now that there's five thousand yes. uh, bloggers that are going, you know, comics should be making stuff up. Yeah, yeah, and and boy, writing poorly. I gotta say it. Okay. Anyway, but anyway, you know, I I don't I don't think we had that impact. Although maybe uh, Joe eventually would see it. So you have you been uh, reading the Marvel Knights Hulk, Nate? Yeah, I just haven't read this issue. Yeah, what do you what do you yes. think? Was this uh, is this going to make a good trade for people to pick up? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I mean, it's a different. Uh, it's not the, a... the whole amnesiac banner thing at the beginning was interesting, hmm. and then the 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 uh, the alternate Hulks too. Yeah. That does sound interesting. I've not read this one. Okay. All right. And what's left in Rick's? So uh, I have I don't have a review, but I have a nod to the continuance of uh, Forever Evil, of course. Uh, for me, it's really just kind of hanging out in the, the original book, the Justice League book, and um, the Trinity of Sin books. Um, I am buying Swamp Thing, which is tied into the Blight portion of it. Okay. But I think they're actually done with that. I think there's a is there an issue of Swamp Thing this week. 
I think there was. I don't know. I don't know yet. Uh, yeah, I think there was. Oh, I think you're there... still buying Legendary. Okay. I could stop I'll buy after it for the my wife. Issue. Oh, yeah. She'd like that. She likes it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I didn't, I didn't pull it out. Um, no, not seeing it. Okay. So, uh, so I just want to nod to that because uh, still enjoying uh, Forever Evil, the five of seven was really good. And it then come out though, right? Uh, last two weeks ago. Yeah, number six. This week is just Pandora. Trinity okay. is in Pandora. Then she's got her new appearance that where she's become angelic. Huh. You're still reading Pandora. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those codependent things. But the one no, thing I, that's I totally the one that's not codependent is. Buffy the Vampire Hunter Season 10, 10 season Issue 10 1 yeah, yeah. just came out. Teasing you with the cover in which she's recognizable. New Rules Part 1. So, yay. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I so love that format of doing seasons and just knowing yeah. you know, this is what might have happened had you had the time and the budget uh, and the renewal. So we, I've actually seen a couple of these pages earlier in a tease somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I'll be picking that up. Well, yep. good. All right. Uh, let's move on to movies, shall we? Because this morning was uh, greeted with the new, the final Amazing Spider-Man Two trailer, and uh, I think what, what what did we think? What do they have to say? Final. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the movie doesn't come out till May, right? But it's it's mid March. Yeah, it comes at the beginning of May. So it's like it's a month seven, and a half away. Seven. Why do I need when another trailer? When did they start doing this billion versions of trailers so we see the whole movie before the movie? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't need it. You know, it's like from the first one, I'm like, okay, great. I'm there. There's going to be Rhino. There's going to be Electro. You know what's great about it, though? You could have surprised me with the ma- with uh, Green Goblin. I would have been just like, what? I think, they, and they did this in the first movie, too. There's so much fast motion blurred action going on in their yeah. CGI and the special effects you can't tell what's going on through a lot of a lot of what's going on in the fight scenes. Now they did a they've done a slow motion take as Spider-Man's coming at the Rhino in the in this one with the manhole yeah. cover on and yeah. that you can kind of tell, but even then when they go to the long shot of the Rhino running at him, I I still framed I can't can't make out his yeah. actual shape. Yeah. In that yeah, I, you can get a kind of a vague yeah. idea. Yeah, maybe it's better I only watched it very tiny, so Yeah. Um, maybe it'll be better. Yeah, I'm. Nah, it showed. This was a trailer that showed me a lot of spider action. It did, and so okay, and a little bit better shot of the goblin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm. To me, now these superhero movies are the trailer is not going to make a difference. Yeah. Uh, everybody's going to go see it because of the hype. Now, I don't care about delivering a good trailer. Deliver a good movie. I'd like to hope that they did. I was one of the people that liked The Amazing Spider-Man uh, for some round, it, though there are huge jumps of logic. Uh, you know, to just throw a bunch of villains at me? Okay, okay. And I realized, like, if the Rhino's only five minutes, which is now the rumor that it, the Rhino is, that, um, you know, that's just setting it up for the third or for the so Sinister it's like Six. So it's like a pre-credits it's thing? It's like a something? minor, yeah. Well, you know, but to me that also leads into the idea that, like, the thing I liked about Dark Knight after Batman Begins, the idea that the Scarecrow's been running around, we see the Scarecrow for a couple of minutes uh-huh. in in the Dark Knight. That tells me, okay, he's been fighting the Scarecrow for a while. You know, the idea that villains are around in between the movies, yeah, that's fine. I like, yeah, you know, I want to see that. So there we go. 
Well, hopefully Spider-Man ruins the rhino's robot rhino suit and he decides to somehow <laughs> build a canvas more, suit. Yeah, more rhino like. Well, I don't know suit. if that will happen. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, that's you. Fanboy wishes and champagne dreams. dreams. The other trailer that came uh that was released this week, I think it was up yesterday, but I haven't had a chance to watch it was uh the the CG Peanuts. I watched it. So tell me what you think, because a lot of people, you know, seem like, oh, blasphemy. I'm like, I don't. I mean, it just be natural. When it's... I was when I was like 11, I loved Peanuts, you know. And then who didn't? But when I got into my teenage years, it was like, oh, that's just so sappy and stupid. Um, but you know, who doesn't love the Peanuts Christmas special? You know, you can always sit down and evil people. I evil, suppose awful, awful people. people. I'm not. They are out there. They they are out there. And the great pumpkin. And the great pumpkin. I although not as not as good as um no, Merry yeah. Christmas, Charlie Brown. But you know, you know what the Great Pumpkin has that, that the others don't is that's the first appearance of Snoopy versus the Red Baron. Oh yeah. The Sob with Camel. So the so yeah. the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown is totally worth it for that. I guess. But the CGI was really kind of neat. And like I was I was saying before, uh you get a like a close up of Snoopy, and you actually see the fur on him and stuff. And I'll have to watch it, but I don't, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I get why people. It's only like thirty seconds of preview, and it's not really anything other than Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Well, I know, but people are just feeling, you know, because there's a simplicity and let's face it, a shakiness to Schultz's line work, uh-huh. and to see it in a different format. But but people, it totally had, captures Charlie Brown's face. You've a little had, squiggle of hair well, on his you know, front. The thing is, people have had Christmas ornaments. Yeah. They they're not two D. They're three D. Yeah. So it's it. Yeah. Come on. Relax. Have some fun. I have a plush Snoopy. He's it's going to be fun. I mean, my son has one. It's Sherman Peabody, same thing, right? Yeah. I and that's see. that's that movie is apparently walking away from. I'm uh, walking out with all the money this weekend. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Oh. Uh, I have a feeling I'm going to double feature uh, because what's opening this week? Maniac. Uh, uh, no, I'm not going to take my child to Nymphomaniac. Oh, well, you hadn't gotten to that part. I did. I said, it's a double well, feature. no, I'll say so Sherman and Peabody and, uh, oh, the Muppets. Uh, so Muppets Most Wanted will right. open this week. But uh, because I was driving down to L.A. on Saturday morning, I missed the screening of that. Uh, so uh, there's, you know, two good children's movies. I think I'm yeah. going to be taking my kid, you know. so uh, I, I was surprised. I had not heard anything about this prior to the preview I vaguely recall reading it was going to happen, but I think it. I, I think only in the sense of, oh yeah, the same time that Boom was doing comics mm-hmm. or Kaboom was doing comics, and then people were upset about that. Like, how dare somebody other than Charles Schultz? And now it's everybody's going, oh yeah, that's kind of fun. They've got the spirit, you know. Kids, Charles Schultz is dead. Well, shh. Yeah, that's not the point. I mean, you know, it's like people arguing with. If you, if you want to get into this, why Bill like Bill Watterson with that guy that did the tribute animation for calvin and hobbs and p and i was like oh that'd be cool i'd love to see calvin and hobbs and then people are arguing like well bill watterson has the right to say no and i'm like yeah but bill watterson will pass away someday and somebody's gonna somebody's gonna do it so you know i i don't i I respect his decision not to yeah uh but by the same token i respect that charles schultz licenses like crazy because people love peanuts i did just I, I did think of another cartoon character that i think would do awesomely in cgi is pogo well they did do it as a claymation many 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 years oh, ago they did really there okay. is there is a pogo movie done in claymation uh i've never seen that one 
no, it did not get a wide release. And okay. it was at a time, because I think it's like 81 or 82. It was at a time when, you know, it was like you'd have to really find it on videotape. You know, one of those things was kind of in the vault. And, okay. uh, but Pogo is one of those ones where it's a lot deeper than it appears to be on the surface. and Which is why I love the Fantagraphics reprints. I yeah. still haven't gotten to reading them but i do have the first volume and uh looking through you know because i remember reading that as a kid going i don't get half this stuff it's one of those it's right. one of those trips that you can totally go back in and re- and read, read it every few years of your life yeah and it's suddenly oh i get the spiro agnew yeah bit you know the politics we have met the enemy and he, and he is, is us. us yes my my favorite joke that stuck sticks with me is is this this vulture this one i had i can't remember what the name of the book was but i picked it up at a, at a flea market and there's this vulture, and he's an undertaker, and he says, uh, "You know, my last client left me nothing but uh, but a carton full of cigars and cheese sandwiches." And so the alligator is smoking the cigar and goes, "Oh my God, that's a terrible, terrible cigar!" And he goes, "I know, that's why I smoke the cheese sandwiches." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like. And that joke stuck with me from fourth grade on. Like that's that great. was the funniest bait and switch ever. Um, um, things that amused a 10 year old me. And, uh, yeah. So Ivan Reitman, uh, officially announced this week, speaking of things that maybe shouldn't have, people think shouldn't have happened. The Ghostbusters three is going forward with filming in early 2015, but he will not direct it. Yeah. So, um, and when people, okay, (laughs) (laughs) I need a job. My hand was up first. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I mean, people were talking about the passing of Harold Ramis. Oh, there won't be a Ghostbusters 3. I'm like, no, it was always designed to be a passing of the torch. Right. And to create new, even when they were talking about doing it in the 90s, it was to pass on the torch because they knew Bill Murray didn't want to do it. Well, here's here's my thought on it, though. Um, what if you did it to the point where all the original Ghostbusters are dead? And I don't like the smile on your face. No, 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 no. no. And then you have, you have Ackroyd and Murray in kind of ghostly apparel, and you can kind of CGI oh, Ramus in there. You do that, I think people will, people will go that, crazy. People will think that's totally tasteless. Uh, and I think tasteless. he'd love it. I think he'd because be- the original, no, the original, uh, I shouldn't say the original, the last version of the script, at least the rumors that leaked out, was that Murray was a ghost already. Okay. That that, that was going to be their solution, and he was willing to come in and do, just do that. Um but now, because Ramus has passed, it, yeah. it feels like it, it would actually be sort of a tasteless thing. I don't um, know if it would be all tasteless. I think it's kind of, it's more of an homage. You know, uh, depends on how they do it. You know, I don't disagree with you that I think if you did that, it's the kind of black black humor that Ramus would have appreciated. Mm-hmm. But there are people <laughs> that aren't us. <laughs> that, <laughs> loud, annoying, obnoxious people? I won't name any names. Mm, uh, but Hugo... Uh, Hugo, and take care of yourself. Uh, so, the, the, yeah, there are people that get to take umbrage without as a recreational sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's on their it's on their family crest. What am I going to get pissed off about yeah. today? Let's yeah. see. Kajito uh, ergo umbrage is their <laughs> is the family motto. Um, another rumor. Uh, you know, things are going crazy with uh, X Men Days of Future Past. Like there was a thing that came up and said. They've cut Halle Berry down to one scene, and uh, that uh, Anna Paquin is cut down to nothing, and Rogue won't be appearing. Well, now there's a rumor this week, and this actually thrills me, that Kelsey Grammer stepped on and has filmed uh, a cameo as the modern-day beast to go with you know the other one. 
so I'm excited because I do feel that Kelsey Grammer's Beast was the only thing that made um, the, the last X-Men. stand, oh, yeah, the, the third one, um, watchable for me was because that was a I perfect. I have to go back and watch those movies. I, that I, was a perfect casting. I've watched each one of those movies exactly once. I'm the same. Way. I have them all. I got them all. The the Fox, uh, the triple Wolverine, law. No, no, the all six movies with, oh, uh, including the, oh, with Wolverine the Wolverine, yeah, in the in in a case that is Wolverine's claw, yeah. Um, Sweet, uh, yes. And I need to go back. Sharp. I'm not sure where it is, uh, but I know it's there. Do you put your bills on it when you? <sighs> yeah, it's like it, it's 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 designed in such a way you can't catch yourself. He's. He's clawing through metal, okay. so the claws are down. But any, and that's where the where the movies are. So I need to rewatch even the ones that I don't like, you know, because I, I know I don't like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I didn't like the X Men Origins, and uh, so you got that. You got the Wolverine First class or Wolverine. Wolverine, yeah, X Men Origins Wolverine. Right. I liked right. the Wolverine, and I like and I loved X Men First Class. First Class is, and I don't the like the Last Stand. So I like, yeah. I like four out of, yeah, I I, I like four out of the six. Hmm. Um, you know, but you do have to watch through them because Days of Future Past is going to yeah. acknowledge that the Last Stand happened. Uh, so uh, I'm hoping that's true. We'll see. Apparently, he and Brian Singer supposedly have bad blood, but it's like, well, Brian Singer was the one who wanted him cast in Last Stand, and then he left the movie. It's, and that's a character that doesn't doesn't hurt it having being played by different char- different people and appearances because the beast does mutate, right? Into well, I mean, they're they're having, you know, they're, they're having the the young Magneto and and Professor X up against the old. So it's yeah, I mean, we accept that we do know that there's no way that Jamie McAvoy is going to grow into Patrick Stewart. He's yeah. going to be his own type of seasoned British gentleman, I'm sure. Uh, well, he's not. He's Scottish. But, uh, you know, it's going to be fine. And uh, what's his name that everybody loves? Um, the guy that's playing young Magneto. Um, oh. Uh, uh, is it Fassbender? Yes, Michael yeah. Fassbender. He's not going to grow into Sir Ian McKellen, but he's his own no. kind of fantastic actor. So, you know, it's going to be. Now, my favorite rumor of the weekend that we all got excited about and now is the debunking is debunked. Um, that the fa- that the Fox, I, I'm calling this that fantastic, fantastic four reboot reboot rumor, the fantastic Fox rumor. Yes, that um, that over the weekend it came up that Fox was uh, looking to trash everything, including the casting. That was the rumor of the fantastic. Well, here's what Bleeding Cool said afterwards. He said they stand by it that the person they talked to, their source was very reliable, but what happened is that no one would touch it. Like that Fox was looking at, was asking other directors and yeah. every director said no, because Ooh. basically at this point, no, it's true. It's, tox- there, it's there, not toxic. It's toxic. There is no good way for anybody to save face in this right now. Yeah. Because Josh Trank is very clearly so, uh, an up and coming <laughs> talent with, with a, with a stinker of a script. This just sounds like it's, it's mutually assured thermonuclear destruction. And again, and and the Warner Brothers executive, There's no way out of this. And the Warner Brothers executives going, oh, thank God, somebody's doing that, you know, messing it up worse than us. Um, so yeah, but the, the rumor was that they were going to try, they were going to get rid of the script, they were going to get rid of the director, they were going to get rid of the because again, 
They're going to sell the property back tomorrow. I can't. Oh, God, I'd love that. I can't remember which actor said it's like it's going to be a grim and gritty and realistic take on the Fantastic Four. And I'm like, what are you missing in the title? Fantastic Four. It is meant to be unbelievable and fun. Give me unbelievable and totally believable four. Yeah. (laughs) It's who was that? There used to be a sketch. It's like you believe these two are brother and sister. Was it? I th- I think it was actually uh uh the the bad years of Silent Live in the eighties. One of their things where they had the interesting three that <laughs> <laughs> were given like again those kind of like lame uh lame powers like one who could um who could uh, raise or lower the temperature by like seven degrees and that's all she could do. <laughs> it was Julia Louis nice. Dreyfus nice. was like you know go is it chilly. Damn it, weather woman! <laughs> you know? So that's that's what it feels like. Um, I don't want the grim and gritty. I want the fantastic. It's in there. They're the Imaginots, as Mark Wade called them. You know, so it's uh, stimulate our imaginations. Don't give us the realistic. I'm tired of that. Even Marvel has. You give it back to Marvel. Marvel has moved away from trying to convince you that this could happen in the real world. There are real world concerns, but. Once you got the Chitari in there, once yeah. you once you went cosmic with Thor, it's like we know this isn't happening. So let's just have fun. We're gonna get back to Shield, right? Oh yeah, we'll get back. Okay, to hang on a second. Let's let's. I want to spitball something because I want to do the uh, totally, <laughs> totally okay three. Come uh, up, come, I, I believe <laughs> the three of us are the totally no, no, okay no, no, no. three. Yeah, the decent three. Derek, <laughs> I, I've got mine. Derek, come up with a with a something that's undeniably a superpower, but is incredibly lame. Nate, you too. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead. I'll do mine first, so you have more time to think. His power is he's able to finish anyone's sentence at any time. So it's a it's a it's a weak form of telepathy. So your or so your origin is you're just one of us. You're just a nerd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> I would say uh, the ability to spoil cheese. Nice, nice. So he hangs around Jack in the Box and just just makes just up, upsets everyone's dining experience. <laughs> Ooh, fondue places. <laughs> uh, yes, extortion. Fondue Frank. Okay, so and uh, you, Nate. The ability to tell a story without taking a breath. Ooh. Ooh, boring man. So that's that's like the uh, the zero punctuation Slow reviews. Room <laughs> I call that my mom. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, oh, luckily none of my relatives listen to this podcast. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, uh, let's do our Cinequest wrap up because one of the things that has thrown off, not thrown off, because I've loved the last two podcasts and. What you an know, awesome twelve days! And I've said, you know, it's like, I think it was saying, saying somebody's like, I actually listen to the podcast. And I'm like, what well, don't you? It's like, well, just like Rick doesn't read the site. I I only read, I read the site. Oh, but we had that conversation about assembling a universe. Do you remember when we ran that article? No, you know. So anyway, it's okay. I realized the same thing was I only listen to the podcast when we have guests on because I I I don't care what I said. I want to hear you know when I'm interviewing somebody like Harry Knowles, right? Or uh, Neil you know, Gaiman. or Neil Gaiman. That I'm busy, like thinking, what am I going to ask next? Right. What's exactly. going to what's going to keep this interview going? That you're working I, on two levels. That I only partially get to absorb what was being said, right? And even even with with Matt and and Ian and and Eric, all the guys from Eternity right. and and Love in the Time of Monsters, it was like 
we had so much fun and I know the conversation was fun. I had to hear it back again to go like, Oh yeah, that's right. We did talk about that. That's cool. And it was, it was fun. So, you know, it's, it, that was a great 12 days and very convenient that, that like my favorite movies that I could settle on them early and that they'd all be hanging out together all the time. That's what I told uh, Paula Rhodes. So, yeah. So I, I have a closing ceremony for a personal closing ceremony for you and I, inspired by something did, did you have kyle bronzed because if he's no, gonna come out as a little no. statue a little well-dressed statue i, I okay it, it was inspired by something michael posted this morning michael rabel's right yes, uh, yes. so program um, director michael rabel yes uh and it, we know that the sponsor by the way the, do you know that if you say his name five times fast you sound like the hamburglar <laughs> i don't michael rabel michael rabel michael rabel michael rabel anyway go ahead i think you got it after three actually yeah <laughs> The spot one of the one of the foremost sponsors for Cinequest was Tito's handmade vodka. Right. We have just enough. No, no, no. Oh no, Nate. I'm sorry you're not here because uh, I wore Nate when you are out of the room. Oh, so we have Prosit. we have uh, and we got to clink this for a little audio. Yeah. I was afraid we were going to shatter the glasses. Yeah, exactly. It's high by cheap stuff. Um, but no, this it's is, just the enthusiasm with uh, which we do. Tito's award-winning distilled six times handmade vodka. And it's vanilla. Which pretty much got us through the week. Right? Isn't it vanilla flavored as well? I don't think... I, no, you know, you know what no. my you know what my confusion is because the best thing I was served was was half the of liquor this liquor forty three mixed, with, mixed the with the Tito's. Oh my god, yeah, that was, was really good. good. That was uh, that could have gotten seven year old Rick really really drunk. I don't like the sound of that story, um, but oh yeah, takes you right back. I it? need I I need a mixer. Um, it's been a while since I've done straight vodka. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, anyway, okay, feed people. So, you know, thank you, Cinequest. You know what this means? Mango habanero is doing the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Everybody, Mm. ah, yeah. I almost, uh, and and this will make sense in a bit. I almost wanted to interview Eternity as Mango Habanero, and I thought it was just going to be too weird. Uh, so I think uh, you went with the right choice. I, I think, think I, I did. The uh, uh, what we should explain is that no, uh, let's not explain. Well, let's no, 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 no. Uh, the the lobby, the we were able to hang out in the in the guest lounge and hang out with all the filmmakers. Yes, throughout the week. Yes, and starting at about eleven o'clock in the morning, you could start drinking. And I, you know, after I could not really take af- advantage of that. After but... three days, I had to like tell myself, "No, you're not going to do that." Um, and people, let me tell you, it's hard when, when Rick Brechneider is realizing he's drinking too much. No, it was it's really all, a problem. <laughs> you talked to Chris Garcia. Chris Garcia was really wrecked by the end of that that conference, which is why he hasn't been able to sleep for three days <laughs> no. because he's too like ah coming down. Um, but that was a great experience being in the you know really being in that lobby and being able to talk to filmmakers all day long. And, and, directors, and writers, often, and often as we discovered in last week's podcast, like I, I ended up gravitating to the same people. So Corbin, I, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think you and I both posted in different ways, but the same basic sentiment of it was great to broaden horizons. Loved hanging out with Martha and Lisa. Oh yeah, uh, from Australia, who directed Goodell Incomplete uh, or produced. If Lisa you have a chance produced, to see that film, see it. 
you know, which is still doing the festival circuit right. for a few months. But if you're in CERN right now, it's playing in CERN. Uh, yeah, which is awesome. She's posted photos right. on Facebook this morning, and I'm in like, the, oh, in the super you're collider, you're there, you're there, because all the footage that she used in the movie it's, was stock footage. Was stock, yeah, yeah. So you know, and I explained. It. So that was fun, and uh, meeting Corbin and hanging out with Corbin. Uh, from bite size, all the guys from Eternity, all, all the guys from Love and yeah, the Time no, of Monster, love, love them all, you know. And I, and so it's just great. And then just you know, I grateful to Kyle who's going off to New York. Kyle Burt uh, was on our podcast a few weeks ago uh, and is leaving the Cinequest family. But man, I really feel that um, he's one of the main. He's been one of the faces and one of the got people me, that, that got me very involved. Yeah. and uh, I'm very grateful for that. And Mike Rabel is like you know finding a finding an old friend that you just met a year ago, and it's nice. So, speaking of old friends you met a year ago, uh, Deb's coming with shopping. So uh, she's in a happy shopping blissful mood. Is she? In a, is that a blissful look? Okay, get some good bargains. Ah, the rack. <laughs> All right, so let's. Uh, oh, that's right. No, no, you got to have your own sidekick name, Nate. You can't be Mango Habanero too, uh, unless I have a legitimate son I don't know about. You think I'm Lon Lopez? No. Um, ghost pepper ghost pepper costa yeah, but that's it well aren't you weren't you ghost pepper mead you're ghost pepper mead oh, that's right i am so you can't be um doing my mango habanero oh i see well i didn't understand I your impression that's right no. he's your vaughn meter <laughs> and i like that nate laughs at a joke i'm pretty sure he doesn't get <laughs> so, i wasn't laughing at that uh, okay at uh, okay oh that's good be self-amused that's all right well uh Rick, that was the weirdest and most obscure reference, and yet I got it because yep. I've I've heard that album. Yep, uh, and that is uh, you know infamously the first thing Lenny Bruce said after the assassination of Kennedy was too bad that's the end of his career. No, I said he just got on stage and went, "Poor Von Meter." Right. <laughs> we had we had two albums. We had the Von Meter. Uh, what was that album called? Something of the First Family. And it was called the First Family. And yeah. we had another one called the Other Family. Oh, I've never heard that one. Which was, I don't think it was Meter. I think it was somebody else, but it was all the same jokes, but done from the point of Khrushchev's family in oh, Russia. Wow. So growing up, I had, the, that was my that was my fundamental understanding of politics through, through Parody comedy. of a parody. Yeah. Okay, well, I had Mad Magazine. Yeah. So we, we've still got interviews to play from, uh, from Cinequest. So tonight we're going to run two, and then we're going to run another one next week, yep. uh, just so that we don't, uh, like, make... One, to make things not too top-heavy. Which one do you want me to queue up first? Apollo Rose, uh, because uh, that was the one we talked. uh, Love in the Time of Monsters was this really fun midnight film, midnight movie, that we did talk to the guys uh, and, you know, definitely bonded. We saw it at midnight. It's the kind of movie you'd see at midnight. I totally saw it at midnight. They did show it a couple times during the day, too. Yeah, but uh, and I I overheard people, like teens on the street, talking about it, which was great. Yeah. So... Um, really, really loved hanging out with Matt and and Andy uh, and Mike. Uh, you know the the writer as well. You know it's just a great group of people. What had happened was then that I realized at the party for Eternity the first uh, the Saturday night before they debuted Love in the Time of Monsters, the actresses were there. Three for of, Love of the Time of Monsters. Love in the Time of Monsters. The five foot two and under club as, exactly. as paula rhodes calls it travel size and the first thing i the first person i ran into from love and time monsters was paula paula rhodes who plays the character of agatha who is kind of the the camp uh leader or you know she runs the lodge she's, the she's manage- an upwardly mobile middle management in a dead-end job yes and very funny character and 
and I was like, well, you know, she was funny. We t- talked, and I said, you know, I really enjoyed your performance. And then I was like, but she does look familiar. And then the next morning, looked her up on IMDb and realized, oh, we've run, and you'll hear me echo this to her in this interview, that she is the producer who was given the rights to ElfQuest by Richard and Wendy Peeney. Which, uh, you're in, you after say- they expired from Warner, time Warner had them, didn't do anything with them, She'll explain in the interview. So on Monday, uh, this week, why I got to sit down and have like late, late lunch with Nate while he had a shake. I had lunch and I said, I got a chance to sit down with Paula in uh, Studio City. And excellent. And so, you know, it was just very kind. She agreed to do, you know, she said, I said, you know, on that Sunday, you're still hanging out with the guys because I'd love to get you on the podcast. So, well, I could Skype in and I just feel bad about having people, you know, other than us that are used to it. The seven o'clock on oh, Wednesday night. If you're able to you know, face to face, that's the best. Yeah. So we got to. So I was down down in L.A. for a meeting on Monday morning, and I said asked her if she'd have time to meet. So we met. We sat down, and we got to talk about Love in the Time of Monsters, about Elf Quest. I don't know that we got any great scoops out of it, but there's some interesting forward movement. And she's also the voice of Skipper and Stacy in a Mattel online series called Life in the Dream House, which and I have to watch. Because apparently I was reading like you know comments on it and people saying it's hilarious in which all the Barbies are aware of themselves as dolls in their stuff. So it's a very satirical program that Mattel itself is producing, and she's also starting a web series called The New Adventures of Peter and Wendy. So Peter Pan mm. in modern day. So she starts shooting that this weekend. So she talks about all of this in our interview and. Um, I think I did a better job of recording than I usually do. There's still a little bit of wind interference because of where we were sitting. Every now and then a, br- a wind came through. And yeah, I remember we were using my handheld. You did get a windsock with that that mic. I got to remember where I put it. But yeah. yeah. But uh, I did I did take your advice. I had headphones. And I, I knew I knew when it was going Good. astray and moved. So let's listen to Paula Rhodes, my conversation with Paula Rhodes. Yes. All right. So uh, this is Derek uh, Fanboy Planet sitting with Paula Rhodes, who was Agatha in Love in the Time of Monsters. And that's how first realized, okay, we want to talk to her because we were at a party at CineQuest and going, oh, yes, you were, you were very funny in that film. And then realizing we'd actually run some of your work a couple of years ago. Probably from ElfQuest. From, from ElfQuest. Yes. Uh, we have indeed got a lot of hits on running your fan film. Oh, cool. Which Thank you. I, I almost feel like it's diminishing it to call it a fan film because oh, why? Yeah. A fan trailer. Fan we, trailer. We were protecting our, our assets as it were there um, because at the time Warner Brothers had the rights to it. Uh, and then it's, it's just turned into this kind of fangirl dream of having um, some property that I've loved my entire life and grew up with uh, being able to just bring it to life a little bit on screen with a bunch of women that I loved, and then uh, now once the rights reverted back to the creators, we joined in the, the horde that was pitching them ideas. Yeah. Uh, my producing partner Stephanie Thorpe and I, who did the fan trailer, and ended up getting the film and TV rights. So then we'll come back to it yes, because indeed. I think Matt, Matt and Andy, now that we are friends, would kill me if I didn't first yes, talk about Love in the Time of Monsters. Although, although even you know, Matt said, "Oh yeah, she's like, <laughs> like yeah, okay, we'll talk, we'll talk." Um, 
So we will begin with Love in the Time of Monsters. What drew you to this? Because uh, you've got this great voiceover career, you know, you're in Monster High. But here you are in a, a movie that I think could revive the whole tradition of Scream Queens. Oh. And, um, yeah, you'd think I only do things with the word monster or quest in it, right? Um, this point. <laughs> but, no, I, I actually, works. right? I just want to go to Comic Con every year. That's my goal. No. And that was a um, great monster quest right yes. here. Oh, yeah. there's a show called that, isn't there? Wow, yeah, shoot. Quest uh, Monsters? Okay, uh, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. Exactly. Right. No, um, let's see. How did I get involved with Love in the Town of Monsters? I knew Allison Venor, who's one of the producers um, from the web world. Um, kind of this little small incestuous fishbowl of people who share all the same crews and, you know, make stuff quickly and well, hopefully. And uh, so I think, I think I submitted when I saw her name on the breakdowns. I was like, hey, Allison, if I'm right for this, I'd love to come to read for you and I went in for their initial casting session which is a good year and a half before they actually shot and they were planning at that point to shoot um, very shortly thereafter which was actually like during my wedding <laughs> which would be a little tricky um, and so I didn't think anything would happen from that and then come a year and a half later they're like so we, uh, we have this role for you if you're willing to do it <laughs> which is kind of mean I think Agatha had originally been written a lot older and gruffer and they thought it was funny when I read it, so, um, oh. <laughs> it was an interesting contrast of, it, I could have seen it being like, the, like, well, like the old Selma Diamond kind right. of thing, like cigarette smoker, and Anna said you brought a very, a, a young energy to it, <laughs> and it was, a, it was a nice contrast, so, and my entire 5 two and under club, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> which no one knew until it's we a big saw club. you live, yeah, no, yes, yes, well, we looked until you screen. showed up at Cinequest, yeah, well, that's Mad Admin, oh, yeah. so, um, so, yeah, what drew you to the, to the role of Agatha? To that, well, mostly just knowing that I trusted Allison and, and I'd um, read uh, the sides were funny. I mean, it kind of had a, a pinch of that Shaun of the Dead quality to it of mashing genres and just mm -hmm. something new and exciting. Uh, and I like both of the genres, I, but now it's like, it's multi, right? It's like a rom, zom, mon, com. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's many things. So, a lot of oms. Yeah. Uh, but I remember sitting down for the first table read with the entire cast around, and it was awesome. It was so, just, the energy and the, the talent level, just even on a, a cold read, was phenomenal. So I was thrilled to be a part of it. And on, honestly, I was up there for a very brief amount of time that my, my schedule allowed, and I worked it in, and we shot almost all of my stuff in about a day. I think maybe one other shot in the morning, but it's pretty So did you there. have much chance to uh, interact with the locals? I did, actually. You know what was awesome is, is Doug Jones, how can you not just fall in love with him? He's just the most amazing That's person. That's fantastic. Um, and I spent any downtime we had, we just like hung out with the, the extras who are mostly all locals from the area, and they were so wonderful and excited to be there, which is just kind of refreshing on film sets sometimes. Uh, but, I mean, he's a darling. It wasn't like anybody was like, I have to go to my trailer. <laughs> we were all just getting to know each other and having a good time with this beautiful did, setting. Did you have trailers? Oh, we had we had rooms we had at the lodge. Yes. So there's two supernatural things there. Are you now, uh, are you a Bigfoot believer? That question got asked at the premiere. Ah, yes. I am a I'm not a disbeliever. I'll say I'm quizzical. There's grains of salt added, but but uh, I don't like to say anything is impossible because I've seen some very many things that would seem so come to life. Like. Well, yeah, and there, and there there is talk of encounters with the ghost at the lodge that she ah, stayed at. I did not see her at all. Actually, I was there, you know, briefly, briefly, but. Um, I saw some interesting characters, but they were not ghosts. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they know. All right. 
Okay. And uh, how did you enjoy the CineQuest experience? Because CineQuest uh, was also, like, I'm sure that we talked about hear, that. It was fantastic. It's such an enthusiastic group of people. And it was also really neat for me because I ran into, um, I got to meet the Eternity, the movie team, which, oddly enough, one of my um, friends from college, her husband, created that film. So years ago, I think two and a half years ago, they sent me the script to see if I would just read it through and if I had any uh, advice or ideas, because I, I produced a lot of stuff, too, to kind of point them in the right direction. And it was a fun script then, and I remember thinking, this doesn't seem low budget, but I think it's awesome. Like, yeah. I hope you guys make it. If I can help at all, let me know. And, uh, and then come, you know, what, a year and a half or so later, suddenly I'm showing up and premiering literally right after <laughs> their Right, film. right. So it was, was... it was awesome. I got to be there for them and tell them how proud I was, because, I mean, it was... So well received and such fun, and I mean, I think they hit the right note with it. And somehow I feel, yeah, the, 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 yours, Love of the Time Monsters and Eternity were the movies I loved the most. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that you guys all hung out with each Isn't other crazy? made it so much more convenient <laughs> <laughs> to just hang out and bond. So, uh, hence the connection. I was wondering, because uh, they, they, they were all hanging out. Yeah, we, so, they oddly enough just hooked up on their own, and then I happened to have known his wife from college, so we went over and pre partied before their yeah, whatever, and I get to meet their kiddos. So. We, we ran into each other at the Eternity party. So. Now let's take it back to ElfQuest. All right. All right. So, yes, you started that as a fan film yeah. to... Just to get, kind of serve as a, a lightning rod to kind of rally fans and get them excited to show support. Uh, because we knew there was a, a larger underground fan following than people kind of gave it credit for. Because every time we'd mention it, we would be like, oh my gosh, I'm a fan too. And uh, So we wanted to show at the time, the studio, that there was this support so they move forward and make this come to life. Um, as it turned out, we liked the result even better because now it's our baby. But uh, it, was a, it was a magical experience to get to become, you know, not just uh, to know, but to be friends with the Pinnies and uh, to kind of have your hand in making sure, well, hopefully, that, that somebody doesn't screw it up and that we do it right. So we have some very, very exciting things happening on that front. Hopefully to announce very soon. Okay, but yes. can't, but it's, still, it's still alive. So that's what it's alive. We have a deal with it. We have fine. We're doing all the t-shirts and leggings and stuff. And then we have a Vidali uh, agreement that's just starting. They're a jewelry company that does Lord of the Rings jewelry and stuff that's oh, going to okay. start coming out. And um, yes, let's just say there are some some very big fans of the of the um, ElfQuest world in some very great places to make the stars align for us. Well, that's good. Okay, you, you talk about it as almost being underground. Of course, I feel like we're in 2014. Nothing's underground. <laughs> right? Like, you know, it's a great time to be that's a fan. That's what it felt like from fans that they were hadn't known other fans. They hadn't um, come together. So how far back do you go with ElfQuest fandom? Like, were you back in the Warp days? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, okay. it was a, I was six. And um, my sister was on her way to the world, and I was very worried that uh, I would never see my parents again. That's somehow what I took away from all the You're Gonna Be a Big Sister books that I was going to be abandoned. I think I, I read something wrong there. But uh, my dad thought okay. a good way to make me feel better is to take me to a comic shop, because my dad is awesome, and say, pick out anything you want, and then every time it comes out, we'll go together, we call a daddy date, and we'll have this special thing. And I looked, I was so nervous, but I looked all around the store, and I was just drawn to Wendy's art, and like picked up the comic right off the shelf, and it's history from there. I taught my sister to read on it, and... Um, yeah, and kind of then bonded with Stephanie one day when she posted a panel on Twitter of ElfQuest, and I was like, oh my god, I'm a huge fan! And then jokingly, we started uh, casting all these women of the web that that I know from the 5 to an Under Club <laughs> yes, that happen to look a lot like the characters, and then all of a sudden, the moment of epiphany of like, hey, you know what, we do make things, <laughs> maybe we should meet, uh, Kate, and the rest is history.
Okay, now the criticism that came on uh, both times that I ran it was, where are the male elves? Ah, this is an interesting question we've dealt with a lot, too. So we, when when dealing with how to, what we wanted to put out there for it, uh, we wanted to make sure it was high production quality, and so we looked at what we had available to us. Um, and one of the assets, of course, is actors. And we're like, okay, so we'd need some really amazing actors who look great with their shirt off, and uh, shorter, and uh, would come play in the woods with us for free. Hmm. While we were willing to have that casting session, we didn't have just the Rolodex of guys in our head that we did the girls, so we were like, you know, what if we play to our strengths? Just show the female characters. Um, not to mention the fact that we had to sort of put our own spin on it to protect ourselves a little bit legally at the time, since it was a fan film, which is a, a gray area legally, um, to make sure yeah, Warner Brothers wasn't angry about it. Uh, so we were like, well, we're protecting ourselves, and we know we'll have great production quality with the women. Let's do some ladies, darn it. So, uh, Does it feel in the underground that it's mostly women that are coming You know what, no, it's a really work. interesting demographic. It's one of the few comics that has slightly more women readers than, than, than gents. It's got about 60% uh, female readership. And, you know, it's been with Marvel and DC, and now Dark Horse is, is releasing The Final Quest, which episode two comes out in just, like, next week, I think the 26th. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of really good stuff aligning for Elfquest right now. It's one of my fangirl bucket lists, for sure. <laughs> Very good. How did uh, Richard and Wendy come to be giving you the rights then? Um, we pitched our idea to them, our vision, um, along with other people who, you know, come out of the woodwork, like they do. And, uh, and they'd seen what we'd done with the trailer. And I think after, you know, 30-plus years, we were the only ones who'd actually said, we're going to do something, and then we did. So I think that, that follow-through impressed them, and they, they saw that we had the heart for it and would uh, protect it, <laughs> sort of be its sword maiden uh, for Elfquest. And so uh, so that was, that was, in their words, at least, why they chose us. All right. And so, if, uh, whatever great thing is about to happen that you're hoping you can announce, <laughs> will then the 5'2 and under uh, males be allowed to be in the film? Um, if it were a live action... Oh, it might not be. Okay. Well, we, we, you work we, in animation, too. We, we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so we can talk a little bit about that. You've been, yeah. You are Skipper and Stacy. I am, right? yeah. Um, life <laughs> in the Dream House. Barbie, so. Life in the Dream House. Yep, we've got over a, a billion hits globally. It's in multiple languages, although I don't do the other languages. And uh, Netflix and Nickelodeon and otherwise. But it, it's a great team. My husband actually plays Ryan in it, too, which is super fun. I, I don't know who your husband is. <laughs> it's uh, Charlie Bowden. He's a commercial fantastic actor right now, as well as a publisher. And um, then that kind of led to Monster High stuff, which all of my characters will be debuting this year. I'm so excited. Uh, there's some really cool ones. Uh, but no, Mattel's been great to me so far. But that, then I'm a... Have, gosh, this year has been a very webtastic year already. I've got... Uh, QVG on Machinima. We'll start airing pretty soon, which is like a QVC, only we're selling video game weapons, actual nice. replicas, and uh, with Brendan Bradley. And then also on Machinima is Knights of Hyrule, which is an animated uh, Zelda spinoff where I voice Zelda and some other super fun characters, not for children. And uh, and then I'm super excited. Actually, this weekend we start filming the new adventures of Peter and Wendy, which is a, a Peter Pan reimagining sort of modernization. Uh, and I, I play Wendy Darling in that to Kyle Walters' uh, Pan. Okay, so you think that since you're having a webtastic, you say, <laughs> is that where everything's going? No, I don't think that's where everything's going, but I certainly think it's getting integrated more and more. And what's been really neat, because I kind of was lucky enough to be in this sort of... 
don't know if you'd call it like a graduating class or something of web kids that, uh, I mean, seven, eight years ago, it was like 200 of us that all hung out and made stuff together, and now it's thousands, you know? Um, so it's been neat to watch the progression of all these people train in this fabulous boot camp of um, filmmaking, basically, where you make stuff really quickly, and the production quality is pretty astounding in a lot of it now, I and mean, we've pushed ourselves and uh, see where they're going now, and all branching off and the success they're having, so... It's exciting. I really, I love it, and I love the the storytelling possibilities that you have with web and the direct contact with fans. Great. Well, okay. Thank you so much for meeting me to <laughs> oh, talk thank about you for today, me. and that we can get you on the podcast. I'm so so glad. To you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Check out Love in the Time of Monsters and uh, New Peter and Wendy. Certainly, she is a sweetheart. She she is Nate, um, you know. And I, I I posted a picture. Everybody liked it. You know, she's just she's just a cute, wonderful person. You know, and and very uh, just it was great. I, so again, another person I'm very glad that through Cinequest we met. The other uh, big interview. Oh, this was huge. This was huge. This what? involved time travel. Huge. Huge. It involved. Well, I don't know that it involved time travel because they're. You know, I know. I know. That, I had time travel whiplash. At the I, end of well, this. I do feel like we. You know, it was. De- it definitely took me back. Let's just put it that way. Uh, you know, my favorite film out of. You know, loved love in the time of monsters. Can't recommend it to everybody. You know, because of what it is. You know, it's a horror film. Not you all. You can my- recommend it to everyone, but uh, they're not all going to like it. No, I, I. But I'm the kind of person that goes. No, I know you're not going to like it, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to bother with I it. I see. You know, there are people like I'm not going to say, "Mom, I loved this movie. You've got to watch it, where these squirrels eat their way through." No, you Can know, I it's, be assumptive here. They're both great movies. This one spoke to your inner soul. This one did. Uh, Eternity, the movie, uh, and so we got a chance on Friday night, which was for me the tail end of uh, of Cinequest. It went till Sunday. I did not get you know, but I knew I was had had to leave for Los Angeles. Um, so Friday night was so so lucky to actually get to sit down with the guys themselves eternity so the uh rock and soul the rhythm and blues duo that really kind of played throughout you the had films. all their eight tracks didn't you by that time no we were on to cassettes no i'd moved off of it you know how if hard... you were a columbia house member you could still get eight tracks you could still but you know how difficult eight tracks really were even when i had eight tracks i bought a car it had an eight track and it lasted like two days before i took it out i you know like i had the panasonic thing that looked like a plunger oh, right really you yeah, had that and that's my parents gave it to me when i was like do you six. still have it because those no are collectible no it now. broke it broke but uh i know they are but it's I, the box with a t on top of it yeah yeah so it looked like a dynamite plunger but yeah. it was really actually annoying and i even when i was a kid i hated that like you're like a, i had meatloaf bad out of hell and and every song in the middle of it you had to go plunk to hear the rest of the song. Oh, it didn't automatically change on the next track. No, that's what the plunger was for. You oh had my to, God. you had to manually change. So then I got a stereo system that had the eight track, and then it was at a certain point I was realizing through junior high, eight tracks are annoying. So then I bought a cassette tape deck, and then everything was fine. Yeah, you know, so as long as you had one that would flip itself. Yeah, no, no, I didn't have one of those. Uh, it's okay, but the 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 point being is it was cassette. That's what I had in my dorm room was cassettes and I you know a now useless uh, cassette collection C30 C40 C90 C9 C30 C60 C90 yes oh. uh, there thank you uh so anyway here's our conversation with uh <laughs> with Todd and BJ of 
eternity. Tonight we're really honored. Uh, this is not the usual guests we have on Fanboy Planet. This is not necessarily uh, comics-related, movie-related, television-related, although there had been many rumors over the, over the years about you guys getting film roles. But uh, when this opportunity came up, we could not pass it up. We have uh, with us tonight uh, Eternity, which uh, back in the 80s when I was uh, at UCLA in the dorms, uh, this was kind of the soundtrack of, uh, of Hedrick Hall, Five North. Shout out to them. And uh, so, you know, it was like, uh, it was definitely a change in music. You know, on the, uh, out of England, the muscular, uh, masculine R&B sound was being pushed by Culture Club and Wham. And then in L.A., it was you guys. So um, we're very honored to have with us tonight. I'm just so excited. This is, almost, you know, after Neil Gaiman, then meeting somebody I've listened to for, you know, 30 oh, yeah. years. Todd Lucas. And B.J. Fairchild. Fairchild. I'm sorry, man. Your excuse. Better known. It's the nervous. It's the nervous. I better have more scotch. That's uh, right. It happens it, to a lot of people. It's a mustache. He's a pro, honestly. It is. God. It's He's a pro. very good mm-hmm. mustache. Better known, uh, perhaps, to uh, some people as Eternity. Eternity. So, Eternity. So the first question I just have to ask is, you know, you've been together all this time. What drives you as artists after all these years? Oof. Ooh, do you want to take it first? Oh, I think I have an answer for both mm-hmm. of us. It's sex. Ooh. No, with with ladies, not not with each other, with with women. I, there was no judgment in my expression. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I just wanted everyone else to know that, and the ladies out there to know that. Well, you know who you are. Well, you know, I I agree. I agree with BJ. Um, sex has definitely been a theme for us throughout the years, but um, you know, it's always been our our our. It's, it's sort of our, our common indifference that brought us together. You know, I, I, I'm definitely more of a, you know, more of a connection maker than, than just to have sex. But, I, you know, sex is definitely part of a connection. It's definitely part of relationships. So, and I think that's appropriate here at Cinequest. Yeah. And we connect with a lot connect. of women. <laughs> and then there's that. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what's, what's kept us together. Uh, yeah, so in the tabloids. Sure. What's, uh, what's your greatest fear? Whew. Hmm. hmm. Well, I know Todd's. Uh, yeah. I don't really have many. When I was younger, and I was at um, I was at a theme park, actually, and it was Halloween, there was this, this guy dressed up that, that, that was chasing me down the alley, and it was dark, and he was dressed up as a ninja. Yeah. And ever since that moment, I've just been, had this horrible, horrible fear. I would have nightmares about them. Lurking up in the ceilings, and I've always had this fear of ninjas for some reason. Yeah, you should have seen us yeah. at the premiere of uh, Three Ninjas. He was terrified. And they're all children. And they were ch- that's yeah. right, yeah. Okay, how about, how about Ninja Turtles? Oh, gosh. Um, a little easier for him because he likes turtles. Yeah. He loves turtles. But they I still... Mean, they inner, still... Inner, an inner conflict, then. Yeah, Ninja Turtles really, really freaked me out at the same time, because the concept is kind of freaky. I mean... Turt like gigantic mutant turtles, but I mean, fighting they're the adorable, clan, but... which is also another ninja clan. I, I, I basically had to keep his eyes open during the whole thing. We we go to movies all the time. Sure, okay. Uh, yeah. You're looking forward then to the uh, the Michael Bay remake. Oh my god, I can't wait to see what he does. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be epic, but explosive. I, 
Yeah, I was using my, knowing Michael Bay, who probably turned down, tuned down on the ninja and more, more of the uh, more, of, more of the turtle, more of the turtle. So that'll sure. be good. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, after all these years, has it gotten any easier to make love and not just sex? Definitely, definitely. I think I'm starting to understand what that song means. Well, all right then. That's <laughs> great. Okay. Is your drink of choice still Sambuca and cider? Mmm. Mmm. I'm actually. We have this drink that we've coined that, I mean, they, have, they, they actually named this drink after me. It's There's called, a specialty? Yeah, it's called, the, it's called the Todsmopolitan. That's, oh, that's right. You're, yeah. you're hearing it here. This is awesome. Tell us, what, what is the Todsmopolitan? The Todsmopolitan is basically a cosmopolitan, but it's much better. It's non-alcoholic. Right. No. Because no. I, I don't really believe in alcohol. Well, I mean, he has, he has, we have partied. We have had our fair shares of parties. He's blacked out, but it takes some convincing. Yeah. Does that scare you that you blacked out and? Uh... Yeah, I have no idea what happened. Okay, and perhaps I think I've, I've broken that? things. I don't even know how I got in this room. Okay, well, we'll explain it to you later. After two albums, Eternity broke up for several years. Do you regret that time, almost you know, in the wilderness? I mean, it's a touch of I don't mean to make you cry, but really, that makes for fantastic listening. It's it's not really something. Um, can we have the next question, please? All right. Um, <laughs> what advice do you have for all those people who have been your fans for all these years, or as you know, they're commonly known as the Eternals? Live every day as if it were your drunken last. I would, I would, I would agree, but um, I would actually sort of shift it a little bit to um, continue to live your dreams because your dreams are what make your reality. And our, my dream was to make music. Continue to dream your dream and make it happen. I love you. Excellent. And I can't let this opportunity go. Sitting in a room with, with BJ, in particular, do you have any really wild groupie stories that people don't know about? Oh, my gosh. I could, but I might be indicted. Okay. Well, we're going <laughs> to leave it at that. Thank you so much. It has been an honor. I can't tell you. Thank to uh, be sitting here with Todd and BJ. This Thank is fantastic. You. So that's been Eternity, and you can catch them in uh, the film about their career, Eternity the Movie, which was here at CineQuest and hopefully coming to a theater near you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. What was funny was that in our, our the, Nate's intro there was almost exactly what BJ did to you, <laughs> and Rick, and which was again I, I couldn't help but do that on your Facebook page today when when you said scene and I went where are the women and yeah. and then somebody's like there aren't any I you know I'm like I know this is the problem with inside jokes on Facebook when I said when, when I said in the recording I said and we're done and they said so now where are the women and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it was a great it was a great uh, tag. So right after I turned off the recorder. Oh, you didn't get it? I don't think so. Oh, rats! I was hoping you did because it was such a great, it was such a BJ thing to mm -hmm. say. Um, yeah. So we're very excited, and next week we'll have uh, more interviews associated with Eternity the movie. And I was down in Los Angeles, and I repped Eternity all through Disneyland like nobody. Oh, knew. You had the T-shirt on. I had the T-shirt on. I was taking pictures. I was I was tweeting out photos of like you know, hey, they made it to the final, you know, to the uh, the encore day. So like I was in line for Indiana Jones, and I'm under the Cobra Tower, and I'm like, I'm trapped in the jungle. 
but you can go see Eternity. Oh, really? and I didn't see these. They love that. I was tweeting about. Yeah, they were. They thought that was pretty funny. Like it was in the haunted mansion, going. You know, I'm I'm really going into Eternity, and I was doing all these jokes, and yeah. Uh, so I just because, and then I had a friend say like. You'd think you were actually in this movie. I'm like, no. I, what I'm really bucking for now is that if they do a sequel, that I'll be like the, that obnoxious super fan who probably shouldn't, you know, has no business being a fan. Um, I did notice uh, that they have started a photo album on their Facebook page, which is called The Eternals, after my name for the fandom. So yes. I, I feel that I have contributed a small part. And I'm happy to give it because... I held my breath when you said that during the interview. They made me... That movie has made me laugh so hard. Yes. Uh, you know, I feel like I need to go home and watch it tonight. And if not, the next time I have a sick day, I will watch it like three da- three times. Uh, so, um, anyway, very, very happy that we got to sit down and have those interviews. And once again... Great time, great guys. Uh, where could someone like me watch this film? At the moment... Um, and I, and I don't know if we got it in an in an inter, in we, we did or not. Right. Basically, it's it's right now just at film festivals. No, no, no. But but, but what the plan? But there is talk because right. they're in San Diego. They're trying to four wall something at Comic Con. Hopefully, the, in the future, yeah, if they uh, can get them I, in. I think the goal was to try to do it this summer, but I think that's what a lot of people tell me, mm-hmm. not knowing how difficult it is to get into some something in Comic Con. Yeah, I'd, I'd say if you're not in Comic Con right now, you're probably not in Comic Con. <laughs> Thanks, because that's us. <laughs> yeah, crap. Um, anyway, you know, I was thinking about that, and I could just—I was—I was saying it wouldn't be too bad. I mean, I missed not taking all the pictures and getting all the galleries up there yeah. and stuff because that's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun taking pictures of the people in costume. Yeah, and and obviously tagging along on interviews and just talking with people. But um, three thousand dollars, I could spend. <laughs> On a lot of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Nate and I were talking about that on on Monday. Said so like, assuming that we had that renewal, maybe that does mean. But it's so confusing that yeah. even Comic Con had to send an email out to press people saying, "We're not ready to tell you yet." Yeah. yeah thank and, you. And, thank you. Yeah. Comic Con. So it th- makes a lot of sense. So instead, I say thank you, Cinequest. Um, for a great time, I'm so looking forward to next year already. I was this week was such a letdown emotionally, you know, in a way because it was like, oh, I I want to hang out with these guys. Yeah, I, I I you know, and 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 seriously, I just you know to all you guys, it's like and, being in college during spring break or something. You know, it's just like yeah, yeah. But it was like, vibe, but, but when I was down, relaxed. but you know, it was like down in L.A. I was like, I want to call up Matt. Oh. He's still in San Jose, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, I want to. Hey, I wonder if Corbin's doing anything. Maybe we can have lunch or something. Oh, they're all still in San Jose, <laughs> you know. And so it was like, um, that's. I just felt that bond. I just really, you know, just like meeting all these guys. So, yeah, I was able. Corbin uh, for Bite Size did win the uh, the documentary. I so award. pleased. Yeah, that was a damn. Good I caught memory. him up with him that night, and uh, his iPhone had gone dead. Ah, but I had a. I had a battery in my pocket uh the uh a charger it's and not a euphemism no it, it was a real battattery okay um and I was happy he to see him just happy to see him um triple a so we sat there as i as I got his iPhone up to the point where he could <laughs> he could uh twitter and yeah. post the fact that he'd won the award, yeah, I saw that picture and I liked it, you know I mean it was like, oh I'm so pleased, you know uh, this guy's just great, and um you know looking forward to to more work and and hearing more from these guys. So let's talk about – we have a kind of a transition. I, we have two things that are sort of transitioning because from movies to television. 
There's a thing happening simultaneously with Veronica Mars. So let me just start with that yes. before we get, because the Marvel conversation is going to be the bigger one. Mm-hmm. But Veronica Mars made it in the theaters. The Kickstarter. The Kickstarter. Funded. And I was so glad that you put it on the itinerary so I would remember to go back to my instructions to download. So I opened my Flickster account. So I'm fi- or my ultraviolet. So finally, like I've been getting movies going like, oh, you know, download, you know, to get your ultraviolet and you can have it on the cloud. I'm like, I don't have. And then I was like, well, if there's no other way to watch Veronica Mars right now, I guess I'm going to have to do it. And then you I'm can like, buy it on iTunes. But I don't need to. I got right. a free you copy. Got a, right, you right. know, I because I, I I backed it on Kickstarter. I got my T-shirt. Oh, I understand. I got my PDF of the script. Yes. And uh, you know, and Did I you read it already. Did you spoil no, it? I, no, I no. I just downloaded okay. it today. Okay. I I, I it, yeah. I this afternoon after you put it, so I'm like, yeah, I got to take care of all that stuff because I I went to LA and I didn't know I didn't turn on my computer at all. I was just working off my phone. And you have taught me well, uh, Obi Wan or Qui Gon. Um, to be pretty sur- wait a minute, I train Darth Vader. Yeah, you're good about it. No, I'm I'm Obi Wan. Um, I train oh, Darth Vader. I'm going to train Darth Vader. Oh yeah, okay. I Nate, think, I Darth- think that's Nate. Um, and that you have taught me to uh, you know be pretty sufficient. I could be Luke. <laughs> and vodka just went through Rick's nose. <laughs> no, Luke is Luke. Okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway. Uh, so like I was able to do a lot of stuff on my phone and people didn't yes. realize that I, I, you know, they're like sending me stuff. I'm like, I can't do, I, I'm not, in, there's limitations. I can send emails. I can tweet. I can do all the social media things I can't do. And this phone is dying too. I get, you know, almost, I just got to get past the finish line to my renewal date and get a new one. But, um, anyway, so Veronica Mars was out there. Slight hint delete every app that you're not using i gotta figure that free out memory, free no, memory no no I, I, no that's not a slight hint i i know i'm not yeah. gonna go through that because now i'm gonna get a flickster app so i can watch veronica mars on my phone the other thing is backup to your computer i just did reset do a factory reset and restore the backup that's very confusing we'll see that okay i'll try i'm that. always here to help you dude <laughs> Until Help that, me, uh, until that guy with all the red and black makeup on slices you in half. No, that's not how he. That, he got sliced in half. How did Qui Gon bite it? Who he, killed Qui Gon? He got it through the chest. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a movie I just don't. Get, you know, yeah. I, I I didn't care to see it again, so yeah. I I don't know. I don't remember much about it. Except then his that, blade got cut in half. And I just remember Darth Maul got sliced in half, and thought, what a punk. Obi Wan sliced in half. Okay. Yes. He he leapt up from beneath and <sighs> did the flip and still bothers me. Yeah. Anyway, um, Veronica Mars in the theaters that that it was in, while well, it's available for at, at on iTunes for at least say twenty bucks. Yeah. Uh, in the theaters that one, I can't I can't justify paying twenty bucks. Is it playing anywhere near here around here? Yeah. Where? AMC's a lot AMC's? of the AMC's. Okay. Um, it was incredibly high per screen average, so it didn't because it's not that many theaters. And I think it is mostly the AMC chain. It it would not have placed as high as Sherman and Peabody and Need for Speed. It didn't make it in the top five, but its per screen average was insane. Yeah. So you know, I think we're going to see more films getting, as they're calling it, four walled. You know, by in this case, it's weird because it actually is, is Warner it Brothers. Four-walled? Because you're having to fill the four walls yourself. Oh. You know, it's like an independent rental. It's not an internet. You know. Rob Thomas, basically the um, producer and director of, of Veronica Mars, had to be the one to make the arrangement with the theater owners. Okay. So, like, last week, Sparks four-walled at about 
10 movie theaters, um, including a couple of Alamo draft houses. But, you know, I don't think it did as well as Veronica Mars, to be quite candid about it. Okay. Uh, which, you know, uh, which oh, re- reminds Veronica me. Mars had several seasons. Of yeah, three, three seasons. And you can go to, by the way, the website for Fanboy Planet, and we are giving away copies of Sparks if you're interested in seeing it. So I've already had two entries. Come on, people. They just went live like a, like two hours ago. So come on and check it out. Is one from Chuck Farnham? No. He liked the uh, thing when I reposted it. So oh, I no, I'm not going to. No, no, no. Okay. I, no, he's too crazy. I'm not going to even look at it. No. Um, <laughs> anyway. We uh, will have an entirely fair and honest drawing <laughs> for the winners. Well, we? that's exactly true. I feel bad that right now, yes, the two people that entered, I know. And uh, you know, I it, which I, it doesn't mean they can't win. It's just it's I know. It's just because you announced uh, it on your Facebook thing. So. Yeah, and, yeah. So, um, anyway, so Veronica Mars was an interesting thing. I didn't. See, I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know. Now, did you watch all the movie, all the seasons prior to this? I watched all the second season, half of the first season. Okay. I have all the DVDs. They're just not in my possession. If you gotcha. understand what I'm saying, I do. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I need to catch up. Actually, I think I only had the first two seasons and I needed to get the third season. Um, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great show. And I thought that, um, though I don't know that that carries over to the film because she's already like an FBI agent as an adult. Um, but I thought, I really hoped that when my daughter gets to that age, that she and I have the kind of relationship. I thought that was one of the best father daughter relationships ever on television. Oh, okay. You know, really, really trusting, trusting, but knowing when to draw the line. Dad knew when to draw the line with her, and sometimes still she's out of control because she's an investigator. But it's still, um, you know, I just, I just loved that show. I thought it was so well written. I didn't see it when it was broadcast. I watched a couple of episodes on Netflix. I liked it, but I wanted to find a time when I could like blast through. No, I totally understand. I think I blasted. And what through I want the to find season. out. People are saying that the movie you can watch without having seen any of the. Yeah, stuff, that'll but be I wa- I want a friend of mine to say, I don't want just some newspaper goonie. Well, so I've skipped the third season, so I'll watch it and I'll tell you if it's if it if you. Yeah, what what I want is somebody who's watched all the seasons and then watched the movie and s- to say, no, you can go ahead and watch the movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Chuck, uh, not Chuck. Doug, I'm talking to you, boy. <laughs> Mr. Garrett, you've been served. Um, I don't think he listens anymore. What? That's a challenge. That hurts. Does me. he listen? Oh. Okay, that's the new contest. Does Doug Garrett listen? Right into it. Okay, anyway. Um. <laughs> But the other big crossover thing was last night, instead of an episode of S.H.I.E.L.D., we got Marvel assembling a universe. Mm. And, um... Best documentary ever. I read a lot of hate about this online. Did you? Yeah, but you gotta stop reading Lon Lopez and Jason Salazar's (laughs) pages. Um, no, I... I, you know, I thought that, like, what, 50 minutes of it, let's include the commercials... Um, the commercials. I kept on. Debbie was skipping the commercial. Like, no, go back. Oh my god! Because there's a Spider-Man commercial. There's a you know yeah. um, that the there's that, a Resurrection commercial. There that was, it was all. I haven't watched Resurrection yet. So it, that it was all you know stuff I knew, and in some cases we'd been to, and if we hadn't been there, Dave Tapia had told us about it. Yeah. Right. And um, and I say that truth, in detail. I say no. Truthfully, the couple of years that Dave was with us, that I couldn't get into Hall. You know, into, right. into Hall H, uh, or so he was the source. He was the source, and it was like you know, it was great. He'd tell us everything, and then and then he'd find it on you know. He'd come uh, out of the shower with a towel wrapped around him, and he'd say, "You know what else happened in Hall H?" 
Am I kidding? No, you you're not. So, but you weren't there. You don't know. I was there once. That was all I needed. (laughs) I I quote. (laughs) It's like a Modern Family. It was like my Vietnam, and I was in Vietnam. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm kidding. Uh, Dave gave us a lot, and then he found the and then find the videos on the web. So it was actually yeah. You know, and the shame is Dave actually couldn't get tickets to to Comic Con this year. He was going to go back, and he couldn't get tickets. So he might. And his wife wanted to come. His wife wanted to come, and it would. I thought he was talking to Jason about maybe taking the tickets off Jason. I I don't know if that's assuming if Jason doesn't want to go. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. How would um, he be able to do that? Yeah, that's it's a big question as to whether or not they do. That's all not legal. That's yeah. not you know according. So we'll see. We'll uh, whatever. Um, it'll be just like Big Bang Theory. We'll get caught. Um, so I thought that all of it was you know stuff that like I knew, but it was kind of fun to get. I hadn't watched all the behind the scenes stuff on the DVDs, and so some of the interviews with the directors and the yeah. and the associate producers were like, yeah, I know the info. But it was fun to see Tom Hiddleston at various stages. But even the stuff about the DVD extras that I've all watched, kind of piecemeal, and they start talking about the way they built them up and how 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 you know, yeah. how they blew their budget on one, so the next one was just two agents talking. So that was really quite cool. I had forgotten. I had not put it in perspective. I had forgotten that Sitwell was there. Yeah. So like until he to, showed up on Shield, and I'm like, you know, I'd forgot. You know, I to me, Sitwell that was the beginning was when he was on Shield. Ah. Uh, and so. Last night, Marvel leaked the ten minute first ten minutes of Captain America: Winter Soldier, yes. and Sitwell's there. Yes. And I was like, "Oh, oh, okay." So he's made the movies. Nice crossover. Nice crossover. And then not realizing one, it showed the funny thing happened on the way to New Mexico, or the uh, the consultant. That's the one, right? Where they use the clips from Hulk. Um, is to see. Oh, Sitwell was there, and I still haven't watched Item Forty Seven. So I need to dig that out tonight. Oh, Item Forty Seven is the best. I need to. I, I need didn't realize that they could not find anyone to write iron man that was there were some revelations yeah. that was really interesting and you know to because here it is we're in the bubble again and this is the the issue of to me if somebody if i had been a screenwriter and somebody i mean i am but you know if if i had been a screenwriter anybody knew and they had come to me in 2006 or whatever year that was and said would you write Iron Man? I just said, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, but because I'm approaching, I knew this day would come. I'm like, I'm like a, you know, far, far less talented Jack Kirby in my ability to see. I knew <laughs> that, you know, how many far, far, fars I used um, is far for Kirby's. Um, that I, I don't know, a cigar in your mouth. Uh, no, I don't like to, I don't like cigars, but my fingers just kind of squared off. And, uh, I knew this day would come that everybody would accept it. You know, I just knew that it was going to be another part of the culture. It's going to be another genre. I like yeah. the way Marvel approaches, but I also understand that there was a time when, and, and I still run into people like when you tell them something like the road to perdition, Oscar nominated best picture was, was a graphic, graphic novel. novel. They go, what? And, you know, but to me, I mean, we were, we were living this and we were reading these things and yeah. we were also reading European ones uh, in the eighties and nineties. So we were ahead of the curve knowing this day is going to come. It's just, they're just going to be another source of story material. Right. And so that was really bizarre to think about that. But, and then I'm thinking back to, you know, I mean, Kevin Smith made this comment, I think, um, in Nate, on one of the recent podcasts, I think on a, on a Hollywood Babylon about how the other thing that was really groundbreaking about, um, Robert Downey Jr.'s casting 
being that he was already in his 40s. And that that was the care, and but that was right for Tony Stark. Right. That that was an interesting thing. Whereas it, otherwise they would have cast somebody like twenty three or twenty four. Plus he still had the shadow of the drugged out waking in somebody else's oh, yeah, house. Absolutely. Robert Downey Jr. And you could say, like, oh wow. And you, and you could say there are movies Robert Downey Jr. makes that I think are like you know they're no brainers getting the money because he can get the money. Yeah. But I never for a second doubt his absolute gratitude to Marvel for he knows oh, yeah. that's why he has the career he oh, has yeah. now. He knows it. He was always one of our best actors, but he was so self-destructive. Yeah. And that they gave, that that was the ticket that proved he could be. Did you see the video of him introducing Mel Gibson? No. Because he credits Mel Gibson with being the person. Oh, Mel Gibson stuck by him. Yeah. Who, who, who was able to hug him out of his, uh, his addictive. And uh, he was saying, he's talking to Hollywood saying, now we need to forgive Mel. Yeah, I know he's been very yeah. it's been very controversial for that. I know yeah. that. But I respect you know, I I don't know that I would like I'm going to get the chance to be friends with Mel Gibson. I don't know that I would, but I respect that Robert Downey Jr. shows that loyalty and I know exactly what he does. For the same reason Jodie Foster shows that. But that's distracting from yeah. this issue of Marvel that that was cool to, to to build forward and go and there's Hulk and even to hear Louis Leterrier get to say something about Hulk and moving into uh, you know, you know everything Thor and hearing Brana again. I'm like, oh god, I gotta watch Thor. What, with the- what I was astounded by, and I'd forgotten this, was the idea that they were saying Marvel's coming out with their B team of superheroes. Because to us, that wasn't true. It wasn't true to us at all. But it's true to everybody. But else. it's true to everyone else. And then now you look at it, and I go, would I rather see an Avengers movie or a Spider Man movie? There is no question. I'd rather see an Avengers movie than I'd Spider-Man. I'd rather see movie. an Avengers movie with Spider-Man in exactly. it. Exactly. I, I mean, that's my that. That's I just did dream. that to get your blood pressure going, but, and it's <laughs> it's up there. I'm going to explode. The same thing with Fantastic Four. The same thing with X Men. I mean, the Marvel does it right, and these other guys just barely scrape by. They don't. They may do good movies, but they don't do memorable. And I, that and, and, I, and I don't know if that's necessarily translated onto S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's probably why there's that problem. Because it's a different kind of budget. Yeah. They don't have the time. I mean, you know, they really did. The, you know, yeah. It's just hard to say. Like, I was thinking again, watching the 10 minutes of Captain America, of Winter Soldier last night, and going to Disney, which I got, you know, I got up the, at least got the article you with, stood the, next fo- to Captain with the photos. Uh, you know, yeah. I got, he was too short. Um, that's my criticism. He was too short. <laughs> you to were Captain too America. tall. That does not happen very often, <laughs> um, and that's okay because the guy that was Thor—that's what me, the director would say. Find me a shorter actor. The guy who was Thor was, you know, very Thor-like. He was just very avuncular, you know. Yeah. Um, but that I thought, like watching all the people wearing the Target, the joke that Horace Horse Color wears in Get a Horse, the Target Shield shirt, um, and I mean literally, it comes from Target. Um, how many I saw in line, um, and how many people lined up again wearing Marvel gear to meet uh to meet Captain America. So I gotta ask this. You've met Thor before. Yeah. Did you stand in line to meet Thor again? No, I did not. Oh, okay. Because this time the goal was cap. Yeah. It was a limited they do have it a limited time. It closes like at four o'clock. Oh okay. So um on weekends it's ten, it opens at ten, it opens at four. And my main goal was Big Thunder Mountain yeah. Railroad, which oh, I got a lot I of see. I got yeah, a lot yeah. of uh, pictures of that too, so I gotta run a piece on that. But um, but seeing that, it was like, as I was standing in line for Captain America, realizing, like, again, and I read an article comparing Thor, saying Thor was our modern Superman. 
that it's like if Man of Steel had had half of the integrity mm-hmm. that Steve Rogers is shown having in yes. his movies, then I wouldn't have hated Man of yes. I didn't hate Man of Steel, but I would have enjoyed it. And that Thor has become this I think it was in um It's not that you hate it. It's just I, like I, it no, doesn't I, live up to your expectations. I think it was in the New York Times where they said the Thor is the Superman for two thousand because he's got the red cape and that it was the way it was the Christopher uh, Christopher Reeve thing of like when Thor took the Stone Man, which they didn't know it was the Stone Man from Saturn, you know. Right. Um but then when he killed the guy, it's like next and it's a joke. And there's a smile and there's a twinkle and Chris yeah. Hemsworth has this twinkle and there's there's no twinkle in no. not to take away from Cavill's performance. He's grim. He's grim. Yeah. And we don't want that guy. No. We're in dark times. We want these guys that are like, yeah, Iron Man's troubled, but he's got a good remark, you know. And that's why I think that's why I like Amaz- the Amazing Spider-Man more than the other Spider-Mans because at least Andrew Garfield makes jokes. And I totally get, you know, that's close to my Spider-Man. And he doesn't dance. But Captain America, as you're watching all that, it, it, did you watch the 10 minutes? Yes. With it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. That whole intro with, with Sam Wilson, I'm like, that's a great intro. Yeah. That's a great intro for Sam Wilson. <laughs> and and that explains why he's able to help when Shield's going crazy because Sam Wilson is all, is off to the left in some other thing. Right. And that it's it's something that resonates with the VA and then Black Widow's teasing and all that and it's like I just The whole thing about dating and stuff is It's great. It's awesome. It was great. And I'm like which one's burning? The, these people are human. Yeah, and, and they're fun but but and, but they're fun people that I want yeah. When I'm going to a movie franchise like that, I I want to feel like these are people I want to spend two hours with, and I totally and you can't find any movie you can't find any scenes like that. Very few scenes like that in any of the Fantastic Four movies. In any of the uh, X Men, no, movies. I take that back. I do enjoy I do enjoy the Fantastic Four movies more than other people do. But where do you find the same kind of scenes that really get you in? The well, heart? and I haven't gone back to the X Men movies, so right. I, you know, I, I think I would like to think that X Two does because I love Nightcrawler, but probably not. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with you on that. First Class, maybe there were things, there were moments in First Class where they're having fun. You know, the problem with First Class was they weren't the core X Men. No, they weren't. You know, and and I get what you Those saying. are the people I want to see. I want to emote. Whereas with. I enjoy hanging out with the Avengers. My disappointment with assem- with assembling a universe was. One, yeah, you get your first. I hope it's not the final version of Deathlock, because it's unnecessarily televisionized. Yeah, you know, and, and like he's got the red eye. I'm like, crap, no, give him the piece. Give him the whole metal because side of because thing. if you can just do it prosthetic, then why doesn't the Nick whole Fury? thing cyborg stole? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, no, I you know, and I get it, and I think part of it is that when Deathlock was created back in the seventies. Is a post-apocalyptic world as you right. set in, and there's probably there's techno- they're thinking there's some technology that works and some that doesn't. The idea of synthetic skin mm. probably wasn't something that they thought would occur to them. So I could see why they would do that for TV, but give him the iconic look. Give him you know something because you've done you've come so close to the iconic looks with every other character. Yeah. Let Deathlock have it, especially because he is he he's not. It's not that he's minor; it's that he has a chance to go into the larger world. But with all the buildup, my my other disappointment was that everything else was so rushed. Even Winter Soldier, it's like you'd already released more on Winter Soldier on Thor: The Dark World and online. Were you bothered by the fact that they blew the Bucky um, surprise? Here's two things there. I you know, and and Nate had he's still awake, right? Um, Nate, yeah, Nate, I was bothered by it. 
Yeah. But I think the reality is if you walk into any comic book store, right. somebody's going to spoil it for you. Yeah. And but the semblance of some kind of like the other well, and even Disneyland says that like they have this timeline and it says the mysterious Winter Soldier is appearing yeah. and he's got to take that on. So like, what's going to happen? Um, it doesn't tell you what's going to happen. It's just like setting up. But there's the, you know this conflict's going to happen. But the interesting thing that goes with that is Chris Evans has said he had a six picture deal and Thor didn't count. Like that was he carved that out as an extra to make that little cameo. So they did not, as I suspected did not blow one of his contract contracted mm-hmm. appearances as Captain America. He wants to get into directing. He doesn't want to act anymore. But he does want to honor his Captain America and it, it actually moves me because again, it's my favorite out of all those Marvel movies is Captain America. Yeah. First Avenger is that he feels pr- he's so proud and honored to be Captain America that he's going to honor that. So he has a six-picture deal. Sebastian Stan has a nine-picture deal. Wow. Wow. So they're looking at, and they hinted at it last night, is what happens with the Avengers. What makes the Avengers interesting is how that lineup actually changes, and everybody expects it to be this core I group. I get because into Marvel Studios' office for the whiteboard where all this is lined up. Where know. So Bucky will become Captain yeah. America. Yeah. And and then you have a different look. You have you have Bucky Cap. I'm like, Which okay. is right out of the comics. And, and that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I just felt it was a little short shrift. And then you were promised to this stuff for Age of Ultron, and all you got was, oh, here's a painting of Scarlet Witch, and here's a painting of... Yeah. And then you have uh, the... And the uh, Ultron head. Yeah, which people had seen at Comic-Con. Yeah. And then you have um, the Hulkbuster armor. But if you were paying attention to Iron Man 3, you already saw the Hulkbuster armor. But not with the Hulk. But it wasn't fighting the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. No. That was pretty awesome. Ain't Nate? Yes. Yes. Oh, he's there. Um, so that was interesting. And then the Guardians of the Galaxy is still kind of a short shrift. You know, it's just like I wanted to see more. We got to see. I don't. You don't? I don't want to see more. I yeah, want to see it in the movie. I want to see but it we in did, the movie. We did I see think it. for people that don't know Guardians of the Galaxy, the most hilarious thing about that was how many times they went back to Vin Diesel talking <laughs> exactly. about it. And then you're just like, you know, people, he's only going to say, I am Groot. <laughs> I <laughs> he's a voice. But they, we did see Star-Lord's mask lit up, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And we did... Did we see Ronan in that? Because I found the clip that yeah, showed Ronan so. with the hammer. I think so. So this gets back... Okay, so we're back to the controversy over the licensing of the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Because Sif said Cree. Yes. When she was talking to Coulson... Yes. In what do you what other what alien, blue skin what blue skin alien races you know <laughs> only like nine so how many does she know that aren't just blue skin yeah um wow but that's part of the Fantastic Four universe right so did the lawyers talk or are they doing it this could be we know on the list I don't know yeah we know that there's a blue skinned alien that uh, I think at this point we can say it's not a spoiler on Shield. That is providing that is it is his blood or his body chemistry is what brought Colson and Sky back. That's what's implied. Yes. Yes. Um, so I was like, well, what's blue skin? I went Cree because it it clearly predated the Chitauri yep. invasion. Yep. Because they yeah, there'd be no way to because they had to know they had to know it would work. Yeah. I will also posit a theory. It would explain one. That's how they're going to bring. There's an implication from the trailers that Nick Fury is going to suffer an accident in Winter Soldier 
It's a way to bring back Nick Fury or to also carry over the idea that Nick Fury is much older yes. than he looks. Yes, that's the, a, infinity, that's formula the infinity formula might be coming from Cree blood because everything's got to be kind of yeah. tied together. If that's indeed Cree, so the, it was possible. And then you found a picture of Ronan, and Ronan is blue skinned. So it's it's quite possible that, and it is the hammer that they've been using in the comics of late. So it's quite possible. So you see that bit of Guardians of the Galaxy, and then the really frustrating part is two clips of Edgar Wright at the beginning and the end, <laughs> and then two clips from Ant Man, and not even mentioning what it is. And it's like, uh, you know, Ant Man's going to be a big deal. <laughs> that was so crazy. <laughs> like they're showing this guy, and they're not even saying, "Oh, it's Ant Man." Well, just, and those clips are from that little short. No, I, I know, I know that they are. But, yeah, you it's know, the same exact stuff we already saw. They're not showing anything new, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, which, by the way, they did bring back uh, All Hail the King. Have you watched it yet? I have not. Oh God, Rick, you've it's got. Right. I've been working this week. I know, I know, because uh, but yeah, this won't come out in time. But of course, you got to put Chaka to yeah. tomorrow, tomorrow night. Um, but All Hail the King is so so good, and uh, so you know, you think Item Forty Seven is the is the best. I think All Hail the King is the best film. I could buy that. And what I'd like to get is like a DVD of just all the little, the one shots so I could put them all together in string and see, you know, but... Um, Item 47 has a lot of special effects shots and there's a lot of action in it, so... Which and I, I thought Agent Carter was very... I thought Agent Carter was awesome. It was awesome, but it was very stage-bound. It yes. felt very claustrophobic in its shooting. All Hail the King doesn't. It oh. feels like it's... Like they just kept the cameras rolling and it's almost like they shot this parallel to... Do Iron Man three, cool. so um, anyway, and that's uh, on, that's for people who know that's on on the Thor disc on Thor, yeah, and that's what I, what I love is like you're assuming, and by the way, Marvel, you're assuming correctly that we're buying them all anyway, so uh, we we won't lose track. <laughs> I want my second suitcase, by the way. I, I, I'm, it's gonna I come. can't store these things. I don't think it's gonna be a suitcase though. Probably not. You gotta do something else. Well, tesseract. Well, it's bigger on the it's inside. It's gonna be a tesseract that it opens up. And... No, because well, the there's tesseract, a tesseract inside tesseract the suitcase. Is in the suitcase. So what would what would the phase two? I will bet it's gonna be Ultron's it's, head. It's, I was just gonna say it's yeah, gonna be probably Ultron's head. Lights up when you look at it. Like the, <laughs> when you look uh, at it, it goes, Daddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, we we if you get a chance, watch Assembling a Universe. Do did either of you watch Cosmos? Because is I it on ABC on demand? I imagine. I don't is. know. I didn't get a chance to look. I didn't today. look. We we have it on all our DVRs here. <laughs> oh, I, I recorded it so because I have Luke this weekend, and I thought just in case he didn't watch it, yeah, with with his mom, that I would uh, we we go over it again because I'm sure he'd enjoy just seeing the bit, you know. Because honestly, he's not super jazzed about Guardians of the Galaxy, really. And he I, will be when he sees it. Oh, no, I I think so too. Um, but I like I showed him the toys. He's like, ah, eh, you know. Which I think the toys are cool because you get two packs, like action figures. You know, you'll get a two pack, and so there's no way to buy just one, so you are automatically able to play. And the vehicles are smaller. ABC Online first thing up there is, is assembling the universe. universe, okay, so you can get, get it online. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I we'll see. Um, a lot of people and were trophy ta- wife. A lot of uh, hmm. <laughs> I never watched that. A lot of people were talking about Cosmos. I'm really eager. Yes. Watch Cosmos, but I haven't had a chance to see it because we were busy with Cinequest. I saw the first episode. I'm 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 banking a couple because I want to I want to just geek out on on Neil. Let it blow your mind. And if you haven't done it already, <laughs> if you're out there, There's mango go to YouTube and search for the Psychonauts mm. and Neil deGrasse Tyson because there's an absolutely wonderful Psychonauts song. 
about no, Neil not deGrasse. The Psychonauts. Uh, Phenomenauts. Phenomenauts. That's it. I did Psych- Psychonauts. Was that game? Was the video game? Right, right. And it's I kept, I kept it's all over the walls at uh, Justin's saying, college. And I kept saying Perhapenauts. Um, the no. Phenomenauts. 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 They. Okay, sorry. but they have an absolutely earwig of a Neil deGrasse Tyson song. Earworm, earworm. Yeah, nobody says earwig. That's the thing that eats your brain. No, it's an earworm. Earworm is a pincher bug. Yes. Okay. Yes. Earworm. Uh, it sticks okay. in your brain. Yes. Uh, like an earwig. <laughs> wow, you. That's Rick. Last word, Brett Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was the uh, that was a night gallery or something like that. Yes, which scared the hell out of me because yeah. the one the first time I toured Universal Studios, they had outside the warehouse the giant prop earwig. I had never seen the episode, but just seeing that, and my parents explained it to me, I went, ah! I was terrified. Yeah. Um, but yes. Anyway, so I think that's uh, that's everything we've got this week. Unless uh, Nate, you have something in wrestling you'd like to say? Um. Wrestling-wise, the WWE Network is still awesome. Okay. Oh, I got something for you, Nate. Did you watch, did you watch the At Midnight where Kevin uh, Smith and Jason Mewes were on? Yes, and Ralph Garman. And Ralph Garman. That was the most awesome episode ever. Okay, I'm going to have to... It was a good one. I will have to look it up. I uh, will have to look it up. Oh, also wrestling on uh, Talking Dead, CM Punk was on, and they didn't talk about wrestling at all. Yeah, because he's kind of like in a gray area right now, isn't he? Still, yeah, it's considered he, he, well. He walked out of WWE, yeah. and the way they're talking about it is that it's not a storyline. He really did walk out, so he's currently a free agent. Wow, I think I saw that episode. Isn't he? He's kind of a funny guy too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and he is one of us. You know, he's he, a clever. He legitimately. I don't mean um, that his cleverness makes him. Uh, in our club that he's a fanboy yeah that he's written stuff for marvel and uh is very interested so um all right cool so listen folks fandroids if you are listening to us uh you know you can find us on itunes if you haven't already subscribe to us rate us please and tell all your friends and because that's the way we're going i'm shooting for i want a thousand this is my goal a thousand twitter followers by the end of March for at fanboy Planet. at fanboy planet. I think we can do this. I would also like a thousand on Facebook. Let's just do it. Let's the followers because that's the that's the best way for me to communicate out. Hey, here's what we've got going. Uh, you know, we update sporadically and new things fall in our lap all the time. And again, we've got this contest going with Spark. So you know, uh, rate us and subscribe. Tell your friends on iTunes. Listen to us on the Stitcher app. Again, we've shot up on the ratings. I, I suspect Neil Gaiman had something to do with that, but I don't care why. It was a great interview. I'm thank you. I'm glad. I'm so that it's still shaking off that one. Um, that in eternity. It was like ooh, nice bookends. Um, you were vibrating. Yeah, I was. And uh, you know, find us on Stitcher. I believe you can subscribe to us on Stitcher as well, or add us to your playlist. Is mm-hmm. how they yes, how they can. do that. And you can rate us there. Or you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. And while you're there, if you feel the urge to kick a little over on PayPal, please do. You know because he's talking uh, about money. I'm talking about money. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, or if you want to find something on the Amazon links, that's fine. Um, and uh, we, we'd be happy for that. I grant you there's probably far more important things to give your money to, a lot of suffering in the world, but, you know, um, hosting costs money. So uh, that's that. That's that. Uh, if you've got questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticisms, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. 
Thank you so much for listening this far. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. I am Nate Costa. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only, only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. Don't tell me, don't tell me. Oh, no, 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 no. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Other, other than that. Yeah. Derek, why don't you swing just like another 15 degrees over the line? did it again. Move the whole thing. I am. Yeah. And then get closer. Not further if I must. I've got a loud voice. I can carry. I know. I know. You guys have such great Stuck. voices. Really. Oh, thank you. I want, I, want, I want to sit next to Michael. Oh. But I thought if you faced each other. Yeah, then you yeah. Oh, it's so a BJ. Sorry. I went, oh, so we went. We're, <laughs> BJ. But, sorry, I want to sit next to BJ. Okay, so it's real sensitive, so I, can I guess it's everything we can in the room see each right other. Now, but, uh, right. Sounds good. Okay. Look into each, other. Uh, uh, look into each other's eyes. That's right. That's how you have to do it. Yes. Rob, <laughs> take a seat somewhere. Yeah, you can sit on the There's plenty of space. My publicist is just going to sit in the corner and watch. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe not. He's don't go there. You know. No, yeah. <laughs> He's got his own lotion. Can I offer anybody a bit of scotch? Oh. My God, yes. Certainly. I will have some of those gl- sunglasses over so there. So I will treat it. Can I have those green glasses? I think that might help me. Yeah. Um, the Derek, yes. Rick, yes. Michael, yes. scotch? Uh, no, I'm okay. Thank you. Barrett, scotch? No, thanks. Rob, oh, scotch. Those are oh, intriguing. Thank you. Good, right? Yeah. They go with the green. The whole thing is like, it's almost Bowie-esque. Yeah. Um, almost. And yet, yeah. Who's, who's David Bowie? Oh, damn it. Don't. <laughs> right? In a coffee mug. I know how you guys enjoy that. I'm talking as Todd right now. Spent a lot okay, of time so hotels. Todd, uh, well, I will treat this as uh, um, as after the events of the film, so that you've broken up, you've come back together, you know. So, you know, oh, that's where we start. Treat it as a mockumentary, you know, okay. so that if you guys were to go out, remember not to set your set anything on. I understand. Okay. I know. God, this is kind of scotch. I don't put down. Good. So, mm-hmm. all right, um, we're, we're recording. So, oh, we have all right. Yeah. Oh, okay. a little bit of prep. Oh, yeah, nice. just kind of give me a little. You know, I was just letting you guys warm up a little bit. Thank you. This goes in the outtake. So, okay, well, we're gonna leave, <laughs> we're gonna leave it at that. Thank you so much. It has been an honor. I can't tell you to you. Uh, be sitting here with Todd and BJ. This Thank is fantastic. You. So that's been Eternity, and you can catch them in uh, the film about their career, Eternity: The Movie, which was here at Cinequest and hopefully coming to a theater near you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And see. Where are yeah. the women? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go too soon. <laughs> I thought you've interfered. I was this. just about to, <laughs> to flip it in there and the scene came out. I can cut yeah, myself no. out. I do yeah, he can. Just <laughs> okay. fine. Like that could be, uh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. All right, so now. I'm going to break it and bring it back in. <laughs>